Chris, you're late. We need to get going. It's such a beautiful morning. What are you talking about? Your hair looks lovely that way. Oh, thank you. But we really do need to get going. Though you may think you're having fun now, think of the ones you love. Think of mom and dad. Think of our podcast, Daylight is Burning. Waste makes haste, for time is fleeting. That's what I'm fucking saying. Bad language makes for bad feelings. You know, you're right. And knowing is half the battle. I'm Sean Hills. And I'm Chris Kempa. This is Circle Takes. Welcome to Circle Takes. RoboCop 2. Orion's 1990 release. June 22nd to be exact. Um, Shot again in Texas on a $25 million budget with a worldwide gross of $45.6 million. Coming in at an hour and 56 minutes. Verhoeven is out. Working on Total Recall. Sean, could you tell us about the cast and crew? Okay, cast is... Peter Weller as Alex Murphy slash RoboCop, Nancy Allen as Officer Ann Lewis, Belinda Bauer as Dr. Juliet Fax, Dan O'Hurley as the old man, Felton Perry as Donald Johnson, Tom Noonan as Kane, Willard E. Pugh as Mayor Marvin Cusack, Gabriel Damon as Hob, Galen Gorg as Angie, Stephen Lee as Officer Duffy, Written by Frank Miller and Waylon Green, directed by Irvin Kirshner, produced by John Davison, cinematography by Mark Irwin. Irvin Kirshner of Empire Strikes Back fame. That's right. So, uh, you know, I don't think it's a bad idea for, uh, for I guess, two brief premises, or at least, you know, how we interpret them. He's a uh, robo, is uh, still living a cursed existence with flashbacks of his wife and family haunting him and his remaining humanity. He must force himself numb by diving headfirst into his work in the war on nuke. Is that about what you picked up, about what you thought? Yeah, just about, yeah. Just about. How, how did yours go? In the near future, a cyborg cop must take down a cult leader slash drug manufacturer and the corporation pulling the strings. Hmm. I like that last part. I like that a lot. Um, I don't know about you, Sean, but I think um, I think I'm I'm pretty giddy and excited to talk about this one. So I have just nervous energy of, you know, where to start. Um, Same. Let's just <clears throat> talk about it. <laughs> OK, we got uh, but we, we did get our brief premises out of the way. I like that we had two. So we got our brief premise, premi, 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 out of the way. Premin, premin kind of like ox and oxen. That's right. Uh, let's jump into the gut reactions and let's just uh, preface preface this with I've seen this one plenty of times. We chose mm-hmm. Robo 2 because Sean has not seen it. Sean, why haven't you seen Robo 2? <sighs> People told me not to watch this movie. Ooh. Why? They said if you if you love Robocop, Ooh. don't watch the sequels. They said don't do it, Sean. You have so much left to live for. Like, I want to know who. Don't see this movie. Same thing people told me about Godfather 3. It's Ooh. like if you if you want to preserve the beauty of the originals, then don't watch the sequel. Mm. Same situation. Mm. 
I can understand that argument a little bit, but uh, who told you not to watch it? I mean, you don't have to name their name. Everybody. Damn. Everybody but you. Mm. Okay, well. My mom, my dad, oh. my school teachers growing up, everybody. I didn't even know that you were able to... Your mom and dad saw it? No. Jeez, oh, that's what to say, man. You must really have the in on the Christian movie guide. Mm, no, but we do have a Christian movie guide review this week, so we'll get to that later. Oh, this is fun. Well, um, I'd like to know, um, what do you think now? Because, I, you know, uh, let's just start with you. I wanted to love this movie. I wanted to love it. And when I couldn't love it, I wanted to like it. And when I couldn't like it, I watched it again for a second time. And uh, hmm. it's just not good. <laughs> At all? You didn't like any of it? Was there, I mean, do you like it a little? Bits and pieces. Yeah. Bits and pieces. But it's a lot of things being set up that aren't paid off. Yep. Agreed. It's a lot of things that I'm like, that's a good idea. But then they don't actually go anywhere with it. Yep. Agreed. It's a lot of things where it's like, oh, okay. So this character's in the movie again. And then you never hear from them ever again. And you're like, why is it like, are you just setting this up for a sequel? And so this is like a nothing burger of a movie. It's just all table setting. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Now, I can see, because you probably watched this around the time it first came out, right? So I could see why a kid who saw the first one enjoys this one because you know it's more robocop and hey there's Mm. a there's a kid like me in the movie too Mm -hmm. hey that's kind of cool and scary yeah i really wanted to like it but i'm just not a fan but did you enjoy it Mm, sometimes at some moments but mostly not we have a pulse ladies and gentlemen we have a pulse i am human i'm not a machine Oh, good. <laughs> jokey jokey uh yeah so i'm gonna piggyback off of this quote i read on the internet um from apparently december 4th 2002 uh, i'm gonna cite the person's name d reed whoever that is it came off of a forum not worse okay. than robocop just different. <laughs> um, i also added in there you know you believe that you agree with that uh, yeah, I do. Being and I'm, I'm getting into that. Uh, the, you know, it it does recapture some of the spirit um, of like the the satire on consumer aspects and and corporations and um, you know like the war on any kind of real like drug and then just the silly well the silly satire on like the from from part one you got the the, the SUX two thousand <laughs> and this one starts off with the Magnavolt and then you got your Sunblock five thousand you you're living in this just ridiculous future of um, well what they thought was the future back in the late eighties or was going to be the future. And I still appreciate the humor that was left in there from um, pieces of part one and that, you know, it, it it's way better than Robo three. I don't know if you've seen that one. Um, no. Should I should I stop right now and press pause and go watch Robo three and then come back to you? Not literally, but you should watch it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just a fan overall because we for the same. I'm a fan for the reasons that I'm not a fan of the movie. Oh, everyone came back. 
And then you just kind of barely use them. You got um, you got Robo going in, you know, kind of uh, uh, spying on his wife, his ex-wife or I guess current wife, his widow. Um, a little bit at the beginning of the movie, which was it started to get really interesting there. And there was a, what seemed to be a promising movie. But when we get into the weird history, we'll find out exactly what was going on with the different drafts of the script and why they went in certain directions. Mainly, you blame it all on Orion. It's kind of their fault. Uh, slash the studios, um, which I guess was MGM at the time or MGM now. Um, I'm not sure, but when I, I wrote in my, in my premise there, he's, he's still living this cursed existence. You know, there's still this remaining humanity in him from part one and here in part two, and he's having dreams, you know, it, it reminds me of, uh, I robot too, a little bit. They will dream. Uh, and yeah, but all, all of that's only like in the first 10 minutes. And then that, that whole storyline goes away. Right. But the rest of the storyline, I'm, I'm getting into that. See, I I'm putting this on. I'm re-putting this on from glasses as a, a prepubescent, an adolescent, a teenager, a young adult. And even now you're wearing a lot of glasses. Yeah, I can objectively uh, agree with the problems of the movie and and how it's um, it's tough at sometimes it doesn't it does not recapture the magic. But there are things about it that I, I love because <clears throat> I wrote in here somewhere they don't um, they don't. Well, wait a second. Um, I'm not going to jump around because that's it. Does it hold up? OK. OK. So keep it in good reactions. Don't go on tangents. Don't go on tangents. So OK. Just, so just from the gut, just from the gut. How did it feel from the butt? Just from the butt. So and when was the last time you watched this before you watched this? For the podcast uh the last time i watched this before this was sometime within the last seven months for sure if i ever see it on streaming one two or three i always put it on especially one i put on one and then i go to my heart moments i go to my my scenes that i just wish i had like a huge subwoofer for and in a house so i could put the volume up as loud as possible and just see these these incredible shots these sequences, these lines, these these moments, like these violent, violent moments. There's beauty in uh, artificial violence, I think, when you're making it for the screen because it used to be done a certain way. And this movie, and even three. Well, it's cho it's choreographed. It's a dance. Right. It used to be done a certain way, and and now it's uh, the style has changed tremendously. It just has. I mean, you people barely use squibs anymore. It's really nice to see. You know, blood pop out of a little packet in the back and uh, uh -huh. the body count to be so high in a movie where the story is violent. You can't just sugarcoat that and not show what's actually going to happen. Uh, you, you you can't. And I, I like how this movie does that. It, it's um, it's very violent. It's scarred me in a way. There's moments there's like some technical PTSD that comes when I see certain parts of it because I remember exactly how it felt as a kid, but we'll get that into that with nostalgia factor. But mm. overall and mm -hmm. gut reactions, um, I, I enjoy the, I enjoy the, the structure. It's almost like four whole acts instead of three. And I like that it's a long movie and, you know, I enjoy a long story. Um, I like the uh, what they were trying to do with it. And if you read any like the the notes on it, you could tell that uh, it was, you know, it was rushed by the studio. It was a bit of a mess. Uh, and interestingly oh, yeah. enough, while I would like to read the other draft that was supposedly being worked on, which was took, taking place 25 years 
after the events of part one. I have a copy of it. It also seems a little, uh, at least from what I read, seems a little like, what are y'all doing? But, you know, yeah. I think Miller did what he could with it. And he he actually, I think he handled it pretty well. I think it's the studio that that pushed them along. There's a note in there of the, the actors and writers and directors. They basically, the creative crew saying, you know, we need a little bit more time. And then they just kind of had to rush bake this thing. But um, yeah, you know, it, it was a sequel. They're usually not always that much better. Uh, and at least you have like I'm counting my wins. At least we got the same actors. Um, you know, it's like you gave me all the toys in the in in the in the collection set. And I only played with about 40 percent of them. And then the other ones are just kind of standing there. But something about that, at least I had the whole set, you know, so it's kind of like I'm counting my my wins inside of my losses. Yeah. And uh, I do I do like it and appreciate it. And it does have its scenes. It does have its scenes that I go back to sometimes instead of part one. But uh, gut reactions are it's it's different. Um it does not beat the Robo One uh, whatsoever, uh, but it's a it's it's a good story. Uh, by part three, I'm basically checked out. Part three is you just watch because it's on. <laughs> you uh, you quoted a, a person on the internet who said it's not bad, it's just different. No, he said it's not worse than RoboCop, just different. It is worse than RoboCop. I think you kind of expressed that. No, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's worse. I. Uh, I, I think it's worse than RoboCop, and it's not different enough. It's it's better than other action movies of the modern day, and even of that era. Um, that I can say, and but it's not. It, it just doesn't beat its predecessor. Um, I, I just don't want to use the word worse. I don't think it's it's worse. It's just less than. That's the same thing. Fine, fine. <laughs> Put words in my thoughts. So let's move on with the shots. Uh, yeah, we've got our shot list. Circle take. Best quote. Does it hold up? Weird history. How would you reboot this? What would make this better? Who used to be a theater actor? Nostalgia factor. Non-white casting. Then we'll go into our corners, producer and director's corners, and finish up with some questionable questions. Circle, Circle takes. takes. What you got? <laughs> uh, you first, please. Oh, me first. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. I think my circle take is the RoboCop rebranding pitch meeting when they're all they're in the boardroom. It's a bunch of corporate types, <laughs> you know, basically trying to to rebrand a weapon of war <laughs> as you know this friendly neighborhood robocop for all the shooting he's doing i never see him going to a park or whatever right exactly yeah so i think that's like that's like a a good moment of satire in this movie about you know like trying to to reframe this like violent entity into like he's good for your children he's <laughs> he's a good example for the boys and girls stuff that the United States has been doing for years in terms of, uh, you know, our police forces and military. So I think that's a that's a good circle take for me. Uh, I also enjoyed Magnavolt and Sunblock 5000. <laughs> so my circle takes are my circle takes come from an, more of an emotional 
perspective that even though the movie um, was, I don't even want to say it was rough. It was just, um, it was uh, maybe misaligned. Um, <laughs> that's what I'd say. It was, uh, it had a, it had a flow, but it just didn't close up certain, certain plot holes and or character development or, you know, reasoning. Like I remember reading somewhere, we'll get this into weird history about how this, there were supposed to be other scenes that kind of tied up the relationship with his, with his widow. Uh-huh. So um, I actually have too many circle takes. I'm just going to go off the cuff. Like for example, the first one in the beginning, when his wife visits him in prison after he's passing by and uh, actually, actually right before that, they're, they're telling him, you know, what are you? Who are you? You know, he's like, my, you know, I'm Murphy. And they're like, that's not going to work. It's not going to be good. And they're they're forcing the knowledge down his throat, telling him that, you know, he's a machine, you know, and, yeah. and he you hear him like you hear his sadness. You see it in Weller's eyes in the performance where he goes, um, he goes, I'm a machine. And then he cuts it off, actually. Um, so there's like, there's some nice drama in there that is, uh, like, man, I feel for Robo. I feel for, I got this for any kind of like data from Star Trek, um, or, or any just robot in general, the Terminator. But, um, sure. that was one. <clears throat> Another one was, uh, now this is out of order. The kids, the kids scene, because I was a kid, uh, when they were robbing the, uh, electronics store, the baseball oh, the team, team. Yeah. Yeah beating up the guy and um and then the Hit coach <laughs> the coach with the just pulling a gun out and starting to shoot at robo and yeah um, my coach was like that <laughs> well it kind of reminded me of um maximum overdrive with uh the the kids baseball team and the coke machine do you you haven't seen that one have you no, I haven't. That could be a future episode. God damn it. Well, those of you who have seen it, Maximo, remember the the uh, the soda machine? Maximo? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of reminded me of that. And I played baseball when this movie came out on a little league team. So it was very it was very disturbing. And and then just the, the, the concept of this kid boss, even though that's well, the circle take with him is just kind of like when he shows up and he pulls out that lunchbox gun. I was like, who is this kid? You know, um, and then it's, the, very, it's very 90s to have this like wise cracking hardened by the streets kid. Yeah, well, a lot of the 90s movies had that. He had he made it gave a damn damn good performance. This kid. Uh, oh, man. The yeah, all my circle takes are sad. The uh, when they <laughs> welcome back to sad takes when they dumped him in front of the picket line in pieces. Um, yeah. That just I know that scene was awesome, and I know that that was uh, you know like uh, animatronic or whatever that I don't know what they used in this, but it, yeah, it was animatronics were good with his like face spasming and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. When they dumped him though, that scene, it, it gets me. It really gets me. I feel like I feel like no robo. Um, let's see here. All of the satire, the funny commercials. I thought those were great. Like when he goes, when he's like, uh, they're trying to sell Omni consumer products, telephone systems. And he was like, he said, I had one day or I don't it know, took he, two he, days to download. Yeah. And he, he gets a gun, just offs himself and the camera goes right to the picture of his daughter. I'm like, God, man, this is, you know, these corporations are getting a little greedy. Yeah, these corporations. <laughs> um, so that was that was one. So, yeah, basically the kids being kids, Robo's uh, tragedy and, um, you know, the 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 violence 
as a whole is a circle take for me because I'm glad that even though the movie was a bit messy, the violence was still good violence. It was still like, yeah, no, don't, you know, let's go all the way. This is R. Let's let's take it all the way. Let's not yeah. pussyfoot. Let's let's show them something. And they did. You know, I was I was it's just part of my question. I'm not going to uh, give sure. you too much of that. But uh, I do have a question about that towards the end. But in the research of that, I noticed how many. Uh, releases in other countries they cut out different things and what i guess they considered to be a bit too too much and Mm -hmm. and yeah we'll we'll just save that for a question i will be announcing other circle takes throughout the show but those are the initial ones as a whole because there's a bit too many thank you for your time you're welcome best quote i'll go best quote He's fucked up. <laughs> the kid. And then the other kid, the honorable mention, is like, go fuck a refrigerator, peckerhead. <laughs> that was that was good. And I, I there's there's more, but those are like those I love those. Okay. Yeah. Go fuck a refrigerator was one of mine too. Uh my best quote is Can't shoot a kid, can you fucker? <laughs> yeah. And then he shoots him in the face. Yeah. Oh, yep. and some of the other ones were like like Robo's. Uh, so at the beginning, when he's busting the drug lab, and he's the guy comes out with the baby, and you and you got uh, Nancy Allen over here, and he, Robo like goes whoa, and he like puts his gun to the side, and the the guy is he's just losing it. He's like I'm gonna blah blah blah, and Robo goes can't have that <laughs> and then he just, he just shoots ricochets the, yeah and gets him in the head that was good that was um man but like oh but going back to the violence when kane uh goes in there and and gets the girl out of the limo just shoots her just throws her out of the limo just the disregard for life i mean i think that adds to his character that adds to just how ruthless and violent he is and this movement is so I, I support the violence here because it helps illustrate the backdrop of this organization and what they're trying to do. Um, and they actually have an interesting character arc as a whole because they want to try to buy the city back. So, yeah, that's uh, that's also part of the premise. I guess we didn't mention that is Detroit is going bankrupt. OCP, Omni Consumer, Consumer Products, is uh, going to take advantage of a loophole in the agreement because they defaulted on a payment and yeah. they're going to just take the city back. And uh, the, yeah, they're going to privatize the whole city. Exactly. And that that's some some scary shit. Uh, but in, in in an effort to help the city because they're in a position where they need help and and get their product on the street, the crime organization offers up 50 million to get them out of debt at what I guess you could call the pre-climax of the movie when they all find out that their boss is, is back. Their boss being Kane, who was um, sacrificed for a uh, RoboCop 2, which is something good to get into. I did not know. <laughs> I, I, sometimes I get so, so ignorant with titles, man. It's called RoboCop 2. It's called RoboCop 2 because it's about the other RoboCop, the second RoboCop. Well, it's, I think it's a chicken or the egg thing. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I think it's it's also like, and that's like a, another one of the disappointing things for me is like they had this like brief glimpse of them like satirizing the idea of sequels in the first place. You talking about with the robos that went crazy? No, I mean just like 
by calling it RoboCop 2, by calling the robot RoboCop 2, mm-hmm. you're just you're just kind of like saying like, see, we're trying to like make the same thing, but make it better. Like, you know, there's they're kind of like satirizing the idea of these corporate movie studios trying to recapture the same magic. And so it's like they plant the seed for that idea, but then they don't go anywhere with it. They don't really like follow the thread. It's like, like I said, there's so many seeds planted here that they don't do anything with. Should they have called it RoboCop Part 2? No, I'm saying RoboCop 2 is a good idea, like, to call it RoboCop 2 and have another robot called RoboCop, but it's RoboCop 2, like, yeah, it's a good idea. They just, they fucked it up. They dropped the ball. I'm trying to think if RoboCop 3 has the same thing. I don't know if it does. Anyway. Yeah, uh, I like the part where they were going through the RoboCop 2 models and they were like presenting and he comes out of the, the door and you get this music. this dun, 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 dun. <laughs> And each of them, each of the candidates inside just wants to kill themselves or like rips yeah. their head off. And rips the, their head off and like, ah! Yeah, one of them shoots the doctor in the arm and then the nurse. It's just, it's awful, but it was kind of funny. Those yeah. were uh, those were really funny moments, um, and then they yeah. seem to give up. I'm glad Johnson is back for this one at least. Oh yeah, he was great. Go Robo! Uh, I like how they threw the the girl under the bus at the end. <laughs> They're like Johnson, that business we were talking about. Get yeah. right on it. <laughs> uh, As she's like leaving with him in the limo. I know. Gonna, yeah, he's gonna like, use her one last time. One last time. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, best quote is. Yeah, maybe more quotes throughout the the recording, sure. but but for the most part, I mean, I I like those right there. Does it hold up? I say kinda for films of that era because a sequel now to something like that is possibly out of reach for younger filmmakers. Now I'm not being an ageist. I'm not being an elitist. I'm just trying to say that objectively. Even bad in retrospect, they still don't make them like they used to great practical effects and stop motion to challenge the creativity of the crew um, and, and, and instill a reliance on innovation and original thinking is put is being put to the test on Robo 2. As a story, though, um, it has a few setbacks and does not utilize its stronger tools, in particular, some returning characters with the same actors reprising their roles, but being underutilized. And then you have new characters that are interesting and are portrayed with great performances, but probably suffer to the surrendering of budget, time, and studio pressure. It's yep. a bit of a clean mess. And if that's a roundabout way of not giving a direct answer, fine. I'll give you a direct answer. Kinda. <laughs> 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 no, I, I'm going for uh, I'm, I'm sticking to that because I'm glad that it is what it is versus like when you see Robo 3, you'll be very happy that Robo 2 was Robo 2. And if you don't agree with that after seeing Robo 3, then I guess you only like uh, part one, which fine. I respect. But uh, Robo 3 is worth one watch. It's worth one watch. It's not like terrible. It's not like a piece of shit. It's just a mess. <laughs> so this is a clean mess and Robo 3 is a dirty mess. Is that what you're saying? A messy mess. A messy mess. Well, here's my answer. Does it hold up? No. No, it just doesn't work for me. You know, looking at blurbs of critics at the time, 
it didn't sound like it held up that well at the time either. Yeah, it's it's this one is a mess. I don't think it's a clean mess. Like I've said, there's like a lot of cool ideas, but they don't add up to anything. It's not like different enough or transformative enough to warrant a sequel at all. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, I liked what it was going to be. I liked uh, just when you if you've done your deep dive and you've read the notes of oh, yeah. the, the, the whole backstory that he was going to have with his wife. Um, and I think there was even talk about his son sort of like visiting or being a part of that process. Uh, and then there was going to be backstory with Nancy Allen's character uh, and his partnership with her um, and his uh, maybe just the way that they introduced the nuke uh, was was. Actually, no, I, I thought it was pretty good. What I liked about it was much like the first one, it, it kind of took tropes that we're used to and it kind of flipped them uh, or maybe maybe it just really exploited violence in a good way. And like, for example, like the opening shot, I guess that's another circle take with the hookers attacking the guy. But if you notice the way that shot starts, it's a handoff, handoff, handoff of the drug. Every single person wants to get that drug and it ends up in the hands of, um, I think, a homeless dude. Or maybe maybe the girls get it at the end. But I like when the hookers beat up the John. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, and I like the violence of that. that she fucking stomps his face with the with the stiletto and they walk mm-hmm. on. Um, yep. So you have that, you know, again, you have the um, I, the performances of the bad guys hold up, I think, randomly to when they finally did the sequel to Die Hard, the series, it was Die Hard 4. And I think Timothy Oliphant was the bad guy in that. Yeah. Great actor, but like eh, he just don't work for this, you know, like he just he just didn't work for it. But Kane does. Tom Noonan does. And his crew around him. Mm, I disagree. I disagree. OK, well, Tom Noonan does. And his performance, uh, like what he created for this character is it's different. It's like it's. It's like a quiet sinister. It's not, you know, he doesn't have to be banging his hands on on the desk. But the things that don't make sense, the things I, I they never explain, and maybe they didn't have to, but they could have implied, was where the fuck is the kid even coming from? Whose kid is that? How did he yes. get? How did he get to that yes. level? Because let's say he's seven. <laughs> okay, if he's seven, okay, fine, ten. I don't know how old he is, but if he's ten years old. I mean, just five years ago, he was still learning words and shit. You know, he's like he's just too young to have all that. But at least on Euphoria, like we have, you know, the kid is related to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. If 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 we are to believe that and his name is Hob in the movie, that Hob is, I guess, the product of Angie and Tom Noonan's character, which I doubt. Um, Yeah. Doesn't act like it. Yeah, it definitely doesn't act like it. Yeah, I take that back. There's not enough to set that up. I do like the guy who's wearing the bolo tie. He just looks like he was going to have a bunch of lines, but he just didn't. Yeah, and then he just disappears and dies. (laughs) Yeah, he gets he gets dead. Uh, But I again, the the whole the holding up of it. I mean, it holds up for performances for me. Uh, The the kid actor did a great job for for that. I mean, for being that violent, what kids have experience like that and then teaching a kid how to do that. And Kirshner, he does a good job of putting his flavor and style on the movie. But he did. I think he personally just did the best with what he had. And he made this this film of, you know, it's, it's got his style. It's got his effect in it. Um, yeah. This was the first viewing that I thought it actually for the first time ever, the pacing seemed a little slower. But I was wondering 
because, you know, on the streamers, they always put on sometimes you'll get a director's cut. Sometimes you get his theater cut. And I don't know which cut I had, but judging from what I read in the um, omitted bad uh, scare or gore scenes, I think I got the full cut, which was uh, I always want the full cut. You know, I want I want to see what they were going to do or what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And um it just it hits hard when we get into nostalgia factor because seeing this kid do these things and then I'm a kid, it hits differently. So I really wish that you had had that experience because I think it would have stuck with you in a different way and you would have probably seen it, you know, differently over the years. But well, and it's it's different from like John Connor and Terminator Two. There are no there are no layers to this kid's character. It's just kind of one note, and then I'll get into this in how to make this better but like the kid doesn't have really an arc and then his like final death scene isn't paid off so i'll talk about that later but like it just felt like oh is he tricking robo by acting like this because we don't see him get shot either we don't even we see uh robocop to like shoot the truck but we don't even hear a scream so at first i was like oh is he trying to trick robo and he's gonna shoot robo but no it just doesn't make sense to me Oh, I thought, and that's where I, that's where I get into the whole scenes thing and the, the, the different cuts of the film. I could have sworn as a kid, could have sworn that there was a scene where the bullets go across and he gets two in the stomach. I thought he did, but maybe I'm just remembering it wrong. It's funny you say the paid off thing, because I, I kind of thought it had a little bit of a payoff. He, you know, Robo is back. He's electrified himself out of those stupid parameters that OCP put back in there as like a payoff to re- to repair him. Um, but you see the kid, you know, he's dying. He goes and he says, uh, I'm going to I'm going to die, huh? Or I'm going to die. Right. But you would know what that feels like, don't you? And you Robo is just just, you know, he is like feeling it. He goes, yes, you know, just with these one line answers. Yeah. He goes, it really sucks. <laughs> and uh, and you get this. Sh- yes, yeah, his last words. You got it the really shot. Sucks. Yeah. You got the shot of of his hand on Robo on his little hand on Robo's robot hand. And uh, he goes, don't he's like, don't leave me. He goes, I won't leave you. <laughs> so Robo, like Peter Weller. What we know about him, or at least what I've seen about him, I mean, the guy is—he's a—he's pretty methody, from what I understand. But he's also like—he's true to the art form. He's true to his character. He wants to yeah. know if there's something there, and he still did. He gave it justice as best as he could, and I think he did a pretty good job with what he had to work with. Yeah, I'm saying I'm saying Robo makes sense in that moment, but the kid—we don't see any moments of vulnerability really before that so it doesn't it doesn't make sense he's just like a little asshole bossing everyone around like you know kind of jangling nuke packets around them saying hey angie i could take this away from you you know it's just a little shit (laughs) and so i you know i like that you hate him i'll talk about it what makes this better what could make this better about how i would make him better but we can jump into uh weird history if you're ready I'm trying, to, I'm trying to go back to you know, finishing up. Does it hold up? Uh, for me, it, for me, it holds up because I'm too afraid. We've already seen in 2014 what they think a, a Robo reboot was going to be, and that was awful. Yeah, I didn't see that either. Although, even though it was awful, there is a scene in there that sticks out that um, when I talk about that one with our friend, 
we both happen to remember that one scene and we both like it. So I was like, okay, well, if it did that, if it did enough, because I don't remember much else of the movie. I just remember that scene and it, it's like, wow, okay, they did that well. Michael Keaton is in it. Uh, they didn't really... I don't know how I feel about the suit. But again, there was um, teasing. There's a great teaser poster out there that that you uh-huh. could find from around the 2000, the late 2000s, I think it was, where uh, MGM or Ryan, if, if they were still around, were teasing the next RoboCop or the reboot. And it was a it was a real poster yeah. and it had his head and it looked awesome and people were excited. And that just stayed in development hell for another, what, 12, 13 years until Robo 2014 came out. And it wasn't that it wasn't that poster, um, yeah. which, which now, is now they're doing RoboCop returns. Maybe. Yeah, there's um, yeah. yeah, there's an interesting article out there right now about termination rights and how um, how much IP these studios that are buying each other up really own um, mm-hmm. of of the storyteller of 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 the writing of the franchise itself, and a lot of creators are getting their rights back through this loophole. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch. I haven't read Good. anything about what you just yeah. said, but you got to be careful with RoboCop because it's a it's valuable. You know, it means a lot to a lot of people, but because you have to do it right. And honestly, out of all the Robos, including the TV series, I mean, these first two, even though I can tell you weren't a big fan of it, I think you would agree that just these first two, when you see Robo 3, these first <laughs> two are better than uh, than just any any of them. That's it. Well, and there's so many iterations. There were like four different TV shows, a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to our, shout uh, out to that teacher at our school. Didn't he direct one? What was his uh, name? Julian yeah, Grant. Julian Grant directed an episode of, I believe, Prime Directives. Yeah, RoboCop yeah. Prime Directives, which was produced in Canada. Oh, but yeah, does it hold up? No, for me, kind of, kind of yes for you. Kind of yes for me, Sean. Could you answer a question for me that opens up our weird history? Certainly. Certainly. So, weird history. RoboCop 2, The Corporate Wars, is set 25 years after RoboCop. Trying to stop a bank robbery is blown up by a thief. That's uh, kind of like the beginning. Uh, Could you tell us a little bit about it? What you know? If anything, uh, so R- RoboCop: The Corporate Wars was written by the original writers of Neumeier. RoboCop One. Yeah, Newmeyer and Miner, mm-hmm. I believe. You're right. And yeah, like Chris said, it's set 25 years in the future. America, I believe, is now called Ameriplex. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, like there's different plexes, right? Different plexes and all of the country is kind of like corporatized and privatized, which isn't too far off from what things are like now. Mm-hmm. And I believe they revive RoboCop to kind of use him as a weapon or something. I, I forget exactly. You might have the Wikipedia in front of you. I do not. Oh, OK. I thought you but you downloaded the script. You haven't. I have the script. I didn't I didn't have time to read the whole thing, but I I. I read portions of it, 
like all good 90s movies, it does end in a rap <laughs> that's written into the script. I saw that. God. If you'd like me to recite well, it, I can't. No, what was the name <laughs> of the rapper, though? Then they gave him they gave him a name. God, man, I, I saw that. I, when Moon, I saw Moondog Dangles. Oh, Jesus, Lord. So let me just comment on that for a second. So somewhere in the re- in the research on weird history, I did read that. And the reason that um, Newmeyer and Minor uh, left was a, a for the writer's strike and B, they were doing um, other projects. I think uh, other projects. Yeah. Forget, oh, there was like an Oliver Stone film and fuck, I forget what the other one was. But what I do like is that they recommended Frank Miller. You know, they, yeah, they were the ones they recommended that recommended Alan Moore. Yeah. And Frank and, and they, by the way, cameo, Frank Miller was in it in the movie. Did you see him? No, I, I didn't spot him, but I did see later on that he was yeah. in there. Yeah, He was the scientist in that mobile lab that was hiding in the corner before it blew up. Oh, is he the one who who's like, I perfected blue velvet. It's ready, sir. Yes, yes, yes. That was Frank Miller. So um, I like that they recommended him because the creator of dark and edgy Batman we have come to know today. Right. But I, I like that because if if I'm working with you on something and unfortunately you have to leave for some logistical reason or just something that just doesn't allow you to do it, you want to do it, but you just can't because this, yeah. something's going on. I would have to find someone else. And I would personally, some people may think different. Some people are like, okay, well I'll go to like a person that I want to go to. Yeah. I'd rather go to someone that I want to be faithful to what the writer or this creator is doing. And I'd want to get their personal recommendation. That yeah, would make nice, me. It's a nice courtesy too to say like, I'm leaving the project, but here's the contact info of people who can help you. I'm confident in what they can do. And you have, you transfer your faith. It's transferable faith from what I would have in you to what I have in whoever you recommend. And be like, if Sean thinks it's good, I'm going to think it's good, or at least I'm going to hope. Um, so right. I, I like that they did that instead of the studio. And it was, hey, I mean, you know, kudos what little they get to the studio, yeah. like just going along with it, you know? Right. So that was. The studio found a way to fuck it up anyway. But uh, yeah. it, was an, it was a nice thought. Can't nice give them stuff. nice things, right? Uh, all right, more weird history. I think we can sort of like racquetball this thing. Uh, I found uh, a list. You want me to start with Christian Movie Guide too? You want me to do that review? Oh, oh, did we skip Christian Movie Guide? Yeah, we did. Okay, uh, Christian Movie Guide, and then Weird History. Okay, Christian Movie Guide <laughs> does not like this movie. <laughs> Christian Movie Guide thinks this is like uh, an extremely offensive, uh, horrible movie that nobody should see. Except the Christian Movie Guide person, right? Let me let me start. Let me start quoting. Want more? How about Kane's underage underling, a 12 year old hitman spewing bullets and obscenities, both at about the same rate. Not to be outdone, Kane draws some blasphemous parallels between himself and Jesus. Suicide is committed. Explosions fry people. What can you expect from the filmmakers when the ahs and oohs are strictly calibrated to the size of the bang, the height of the flame spout? Yet, with all of this gruesome action, many viewers found Robocop 2 boring. (laughs) As one child told his father, who made the mistake of taking him to this demented movie, quote, this is not a good movie. And then... 
And then the review does something I've never seen Christian Movie Guy do before. Uh-oh. It gives a recommended action for for readers of Christian Movie Guy to do something to go out into the world and do. And the recommended action is please address your comments to Arthur Krim, chairman of Orion Pictures Corporation. Oh. They put an address and a name and they say, write the chairman of Orion Pictures and get this movie out of the theater. <laughs> Letter writing campaign of the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that's that's Christian Movie Guide, folks. Thank you, CMG. I think... Uh, <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's a, the CMG's uh, section is an inside joke. Ladies and gentlemen, it's an inside <laughs> joke, but uh, we do it for your pleasure. Uh, thank, uh, thank you, Sean. Uh, can you give my best to CMG? I will. I will. Let's see. I also I found that Weller uh, agrees with me and does not think the film has a proper third act. Mm-hmm. I agree. But they just had to stick with it because Orion thought, quote, the monster is going to be enough, meaning mm-hmm. the fight with RoboCop 2 is enough. Yeah. But like it's a cyborg, not a monster. And then OCP just gets away with it, really. So, what else? What well, actually sets up part three a little too, the OCP. So you'll you'll see. You, you should watch part three, honestly. Yeah, just but for- I hate it when they do that. They should have called it like RoboCop Two Part One if they really meant for like. Oh well, no the antagonist to get away with it, you know. Well, I take it back. It's not directly tied to like the events of part two, but. You'll see what I mean. You really should watch it. I I promise you this. You'll be entertained. Uh, I just don't think you'll like it, but you'll be entertained. Yeah. So going back to the corporate wars, Mm -hmm. uh, starting in like 2017, Newmeyer was talking about how they're actually going to make that movie as like a direct RoboCop 1 sequel. Mm -hmm. Uh, Neil Blomkamp of District 9 and Chappie. Mm-hmm. was attached. Uh, he left the project as of 2019. Abe Forsyth is attached to direct. I haven't seen any new news about it. Obviously, a global pandemic happened. And it was messy. A lot of shit got, got thrust into development hell. So who knows? Maybe we'll see it. I don't know. Yeah, I hope we see it. I, I, anybody who's got the balls to do RoboCop and put something big budget out, I, I want to see it. Let me see what you do. Yeah, if you can bring Weller back, that's that's the only reason to do it. I think if you can bring Weller back, do this do the story justice. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you, but I don't, I don't, I'm not going to put a lot of water in that float. Because here's the thing: like, it takes place 25 years after RoboCop. Anyway, now we're like almost 35 years after RoboCop one. No, 35 years exactly. So it's like it's eh, it's close enough. Hmm. Was he supposed to? Well, okay, fine. We're going to tangent right there. Uh, weird history. More weird history. I found a list of his directives, his new directives, and I just okay. wanted to point tell out. Me, uh, tell me more. I wanted to point out a few of the funny ones, or at least okay. the ones. So, what, directive number 243 pool opinions before expressing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, directive 247 don't run through puddles and splash pedestrians or other cars. Hey, that's, that's a very nice thing to do. <laughs> um, uh, Directive 261, talk things out. Yeah. He tries <laughs> to do that with the Little League coach after he's already fucking dead. Yeah. Uh, here's a good Easter egg. Directive 262, avoid Orion meetings. <laughs> Get it? Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, not a lot to laugh on that one. Um, uh, Directive 239, be accessible. Well, it's sa- I'm, it just makes me sad because Orion meetings is what ruined this movie. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I'll, I'm going to say this on... I'm not I'm not too mad. Uh, oh, you you want to know something funny? This is crazy. So we are, we're recording this right now. You, you know, laptop and the mic in front of us. I was looking at that for our weird history yeah. right on the screen. Look what happens to be right on the screen. This is the scene that I paused it on. Those are the directives. <laughs> this, this is crazy. A little universe well, thing. Right you could have just read them off the screen. Well, I can't read them that well off the screen. It's really hard. Let's see if they do oh. match up. They do match up. There we go. There you um, go. Avoid premature value. Avoid premature. I can't read that one. Uh, premature value judgments. Yeah, that's what it is. That is funny. Fair. To, well, what else you got for weird history? Oh, yeah. There's that rap at the end of the screenplay. I don't know mm-hmm. if you want me to perform it or not. No, no I think we're okay. <laughs> um, it's bad. It's really yeah. bad. I always have suit fun. It could almost be its own shot if all we did was movies about um, characters that wore suits or costumes. So suit fun for me would be I, I like I love watching the BTS of, um, you know, of a movie and, and, and then usually the sequel. And they always talk about from the Batmans to the Spider-Mans mm-hmm. to the Supermans. They always talk about. This time around on the suit, you know, for example, from Raimi Spider-Man 1 to Spider-Man 2, I remember them talking about how they changed the suit up. And it's always in an effort to make things more comfortable for the performer. On Spider-Man 2, they changed the lenses on the Spider-Man lenses on the little skull cap. And I remember like, you know, listening to the production costume designer talk about like why they did that and this and that. And if you've ever seen that incredible um, documentary on the making of RoboCop one, you'll, you know, you'll appreciate the movie like so much more. Uh, They talk Mm -hmm. about how the suit was, and you can only imagine just incredibly hot for Peter Weller on top of the fact they were shooting in fucking Texas in the summer, you know, it was, it was awful on this one. The suit is made of fiberglass. And it was uh, supposedly much lighter and gave him uh, more opportunity to move around and supposedly allowed the suit to look even more metallic, which I didn't think it looked even more metallic. I thought it looked even more purple, though, than than part one. But when you go back to part one, it looked a little more reflective, I guess, if that's what. Yeah. When you go back to part one, they do have that same effect. And I just kind of like, oh, yeah, I forgot that it it does look like that. I don't think this is mentioned in any of like the online stuff, but I noticed it myself the the nuke packets are basically eye drops because uh, i use those refresh eye drop packets uh yep. they have a little screw screw cap which i didn't even know you could put back on and that's and I, I guess they stuck a needle in them and that was your nuke oh uh, you just inject your uh eye drops right into your neck yeah yeah cool. there was a funny uh, according to this fact right here, RoboCop 2 had the second highest body count in movies released in 1990. It killed off 58 people following Die Hard 2, killing off 162. Yeah, go Die Hard 2. <laughs> Which yeah. also wasn't that good of a sequel. But Die Hard 3, now we're talking. Die Hard 3 was the best fucking thing in the world. Uh, no, 2 was good. I liked Die Hard 2. It was it was good. It yeah, was good. It makes die you, Hard on a plane. Yeah. But, on the ground, on a plane's airport home. Yeah. Yeah. They don't get into the plane. 
Um, so let's see here. It's not like Air Force One. Yeah, I love I love how the character the uh, I think her name is Belinda Bauer. Her character's last name is Fax. F-A-X-X. Yeah, two <laughs> uh, Fax machines very hot at this moment. In the film's production company Tobor is robot backwards. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, um, little funny goofs. Uh, RoboCop 2's metal body has the symbol for nuclear radiation attached to the chest for most of the film. Um, and you can see it uh, move, like supposedly moves. Oh, yeah. That reminds me at the at the start of the movie in the newscast, uh, they mention an Amazon nuclear facility having a meltdown. And I'm like, how did they know Amazon was going to get into business <laughs> and, and do all this? And then I was like, oh, the Amazon uh, rainforest. Cool, cool, cool. I, I take it back, by the way. The symbol doesn't move. I didn't mean to say that. It means that um, it was kind of like a, uh, I guess, a tongue-in-cheek homage because Kane produced and distributed the designer drug, Nuke, as, and as a cyborg, he is dependent on it. So I thought that was like a, eh, a cute little Easter egg. Which should prove that these cyborgs are human, right? Oh, going back to the argument at the beginning? Yeah, the argument that they totally forgot about. Like, Yeah, yeah. The well, central I mean, dramatic question that they just ignored <laughs> the rest of the movie. Yeah, whoa, 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 back <laughs> up, back up, back up. Repeat yourself. Let's make that a shot, Sean. Central dramatic question. I like that. Can we remember that? Sure. CDQ. CDQ. Is he man or machine? How would you reboot this? You first. How would I reboot this? Um, well, uh, mine is going to be mixed in with what would make this better. Uh, first of all, I'd shoot the damn thing in uh, Detroit. They didn't even shoot part one in Detroit, you know, like. Uh, yeah, they went from Dallas to Houston. Yeah. Give the city, give the, the city some homage, man. I don't even at least do exteriors there. I think you see the GM Tower in one of the movies, but maybe in part three, I forget. Yeah. But you could just tell like one of the neighborhoods in the in the movie is um, Texas, like, just because I know Texas. Excuse me. Excuse me. Um, how would I reboot this? Let's see. If we're going with the storyline that we have, yeah, I would reshoot, not maybe necessarily reboot, because the storyline isn't bad. It it's got like you got this, you got corporate greed, you have this this uh the character, Fax character, just kind of all in it, you know, for herself, and she just wants to get in bed with the boss, which she succeeds at, but she also wants to create this this crazy monster, and you got this yeah. the scientist yeah, yelling yelling at them and like she's using criminals. Like it would be nice to sort of see um somebody on the inside kind of uh, kind of like what they did with dick jones in part one yeah. and what was our guy's name miguel ferrar forget what what the character's name was uh but they were like two inside going against each other and they both had real bad intentions because one created robocop but just wanted you know blow and hookers and the other one created ed 209 yeah they're both shitty people right right but there was sort of like this goodness inside of their shit or at least one of them and oh, yeah. miguel ferrer is a uh, bob morton bob morton yeah how yeah. could i forget bob yeah so basically you're you're um and who was our guy who came back uh his assistant his yes man go robo who johnson his? johnson <laughs> yeah johnson. his name is donald johnson yeah johnson could have succeeded miguel ferrer and, and taken over of that that 
character type, you know, like because he is pro robo, but of, he's yeah, he kind of does in a way. Yeah, yeah, but he just stays company man, and it would have been nice again going to what we said, we both said at some point. This movie has, I mean, you like you got the Sarge, you got the damn the your sergeant or your your, your boss at the at the police. Um, so underutilized and he was such oh, a good sure. character yeah. you know and then Nancy Allen you got the partner like she could have like they, so underused what does she do here you know yeah no and she's back in part three by the way but you'll see Um, so anyway a lot of missed opportunities but I would reboot with uh, reuniting those opportunities instead of missing them I would I would take what is there it's interesting you you are not a fan of tom noonan's portrayal but i was and i like how they i like how that how that it's just badly written character it's not his fault i don't think i like how they're as a gang they're they're sort of like they had a sort of like a loose order and operation going but it was organized chaos they knew what they were up to and what they were trying to do, even though yeah. like they didn't have to sit there and explain every single thing and every single tactic. They just all sort of followed him and like trusted him and believed him. Yeah. And then he, he, his brain gets taken out with his eyeballs <laughs> attached. Um, but I want to see his brain. Exactly. So I would have rebooted this with the completion of either the closing of that relationship or the opening of that relationship um, with Robo's wife and family. Yep. Um, I would have liked to have seen, I would like to have seen, I would have rebooted it with maybe a little bit more fun and games esque of his police work at the station, you know, like some time has passed. Like, yeah, I wake up and I work next to a RoboCop every day. What's that like sort of thing? You know, like some people yeah. would argue like maybe that's not necessary. But if not that, maybe some a backstory for, for Nancy um, Allen and Lewis's character of like how she's supporting him as a friend, like she did in part one and helping him go through this journey or how they're, you know, solving crimes together, <laughs> at least have her have gone with him to investigate um, all of Kane's, you know, shit going on because basically Robo kind of fucked himself back into part one by getting, <laughs> by getting all chopped up and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, I, I think my reboot would just be a bit of like a rework. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there cause I'll keep ranting, but, but um, I would definitely go deep on this one for sure. Yeah. Uh, I think needs a lot of reworking. How would I reboot this? I guess I have like two, I have two kind of paths to go down. Number one is start the movie like this. In the wake of losing her husband, Ellen Murphy, like to Ellen, her husband has died. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when that happens, people look for answers. And so let's say she finds answers in a cult, Kane's cult. And on the surface, this cult just seems like a good group of people. They're anti-OCP. They're trying to clean up the city. They want to like bring back traditional values. So when Murphy like drives by the house and sees his wife and son like happily eating dinner, she's happily eating dinner with her new boyfriend, Kane, and his son Hob. And this is where the movie starts. Okay? Okay. Mm-hmm. Now his wife is like embedded in this cult and he has to like realize that they're up to no good and like get her out of there and 
take down Kane. And then it's like, you know, we have some we have some like real like relationships that matter because in in Robo in RoboCop 2, as it is like there's no like relationships that matter or like followed through or like I don't know it's just it's a mess okay so that's that's one route to take it is like because why do they call it a cult it's not even like a it's nothing like a cult no one is like worshiping Kane because like Hobb doesn't give a shit about Kane he's like fuck him you know like <laughs> nobody's actually worshiping him so I they think call be, it a cult in the movie yeah I think it'd be cool uh. to like you know he compares himself to Jesus and stuff like I think it'd be cool to like go down that route and be like, what if they're like anti-machine and anti-OCP and, you know, have them try to like take over the city. And now it's like a theocracy. And now it's like this religious group taking over the city. I don't know. Something like that. Hmm. And then my second route is they bring up a lawsuit like she's suing the city because RoboCop keeps showing up right at outside her house. And she feels like she's being harassed. That's like why they tell him he has to be. Say that he's a machine, right? Isn't that what happens in the movie? Yeah. So what I think they should do is actually like have the lawsuit happen. Like make make it so that RoboCop has to appear in court (laughs) and prove his humanity. Kind of like the measure of a man data. You mentioned it before, but kind of like. He's like compelled to be in court to like prove his humanity and save his marriage. And meanwhile, like, you know, there's mayhem happening on the streets and he's torn between duty and, you know, his past and and his marriage. I don't know. Something like that, I think, could have been interesting at the core of this movie. But it's like, why is his wife here at all if she doesn't show up again? Well, I mean, she's. Yeah, exactly. But I think they're they had plans for her like i don't even know maybe there was cut scenes or 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 um, actual shot scenes with her in it but there was supposed to be more over the years of just watching these movies i i know that i've gone down this rabbit hole of the trivia and the wikis plenty of times and i could have sworn that there was either shot scenes or sh- uh, written scenes where she was going to be more of a part of the script mm. but i agree uh, i do agree the uh interesting take on your the first part of your reboot yeah yeah, that would be that would be interesting seeing her kind of do that. I'll I'll buy I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> yeah, because to me it, it makes zero sense that that she's like this RoboCop keeps harassing me, and then she goes to the jail and is like, "Hey, it's my husband, it's Murphy," and he's mm-hmm. like, "That's well, his opportunity to be like, yeah, I am your husband," and then it's and then it's like story over. It, that makes no sense. I'm going to pose a theory. I think that they were lying to him at the beginning. I don't think she really did sue them. I think that they were lying to him and threatening him that they that she was going to. And somehow they they manipulated him as a because there's a at the beginning scene there. They're talking to him almost like a kid, like a baby. Yeah. But then why does she show up to see him? If there well, they can't some kind they of can't thing. they can't stop her. I think that she showed up on different terms. I think she showed up hope for hope. And um, they just brainwashed him 10 seconds ago. And then he uh, just kind of like went with that. That's that's yeah, what I think. It's very confusing. It is a little. Yeah, because look, I'm, I'm watching right now. She's they're having like the the memory play right there. She's she sees him drive away. She's like grabbing her chest and 
they're talking to him. What did they like hire a guy to play this lawyer? Is that what you're saying? I I think maybe. I mean, look what else the damn OCP does, right? Maybe. Yeah. Um, they need to tell the audience that. I like when he goes. Uh, he's like, "How do you how do you think you're going to um, be there for her? Um, you know, give her love." And then he goes, "A man's love." And he was like, "Damn, I have no dick." So. <laughs> Props to Peter Weller's eyeball acting, huh? That, those, yeah. those facial. I mean, he's just like, yep. God, man. Yep. I always thought he was an interesting guy uh, actor-wise back in the day. But, yeah, he he's repeating the, uh, the things that they told him. And then you can just kind of hear him. It's almost like when you scold a child and they just do the whole like, yes. You know, it's just it seems like it's like that. And. At my opinion, maybe maybe none of that shit really happened, but who knows? Yeah, it's um, I it's like just a, part a missed of your, opportunity. It's a missed opportunity. I like a part of your reboot, though. Uh, I do. Got to wrap my head around the first part of it, but I do like it. Yeah. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're two. Don't put a wrap in. They're two it, though. different ideas. They're not. They're not the same. So yours is a reboot. Mine's a rework. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't think you can really reboot it and make it work. So then your solution is corporate wars. Let's see that. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I'd like to see how they was they were going to execute it. Okay, what would make this better? Okay, I have a list I have a list of like 15 things. So do you want me oh, to go Jesus. first or do you want to go? Go first. I'll just put this out here. I feel like a good story is rooted in relationships. I touched on this a little bit before, but in RoboCop 1, Robo's like torn between two versions of himself, like this new robotic identity and obviously Murphy, the human he was. So he's like seeking a reconnection with himself, his family, his past. So that's like one relationship that matters that we don't really have an arc with in this movie. And then also like, he has a relationship that matters with our antagonists, with Boddicker. He has an emotional relationship with this guy because this is the guy who killed him. It makes sense. It doesn't. He has like nothing against Noonan. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, you know, against like the Kane character. There's not like something that Kane did to him. Let's say, for instance, his partner Lewis gets addicted to Nuke and. So because that happens, now he he need, he's driven to take down Kane. There needs to be story rooted in relationship for story to work. So we didn't get that. OK, that's like bullet point, <laughs> bullet point number one. Oh, jeez, I do like bullet point number one. Yeah, this whole central dramatic question, CDQ, is he a man or is he a machine? They just they just bring that up and then lose it. So, you know, thread that through, make things better. Another idea I had is what if there is a lawsuit, but his wife is suing OCP because they don't give her husband any rights or independence. Like he's just like 24 seven product of OCP. And he's not, you know, he's not allowed to strike. He's he's just, you know, a piece of machinery to them. It's one hell of a strike, huh? The fact that the fucking company, they said there the company canceled their pensions yeah that's 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 pretty fucked up yeah another thing he tells his wife that he's not murphy anymore and that seems like a big moment for him to be like i'm not murphy 
But then throughout the rest of the movie, people call him Murphy and he doesn't correct them. He doesn't say, I'm not Murphy. Murphy's dead. Goes to my theory. You know, so, you know, maybe they should do that. Like if if that's kind of a point of this is that he's feeling like a machine more than Murphy, then tell us, show us. Okay, nuking, nuking. What what does the drug actually do? What all drugs do, it just gets you high. Okay, because they make like a direct correlation between the drug is happening and there's tons of violence in the city happening, right? Mm-hmm. But every time we see a character nuke themselves, they just kind of like sigh and like curl up. They're not becoming violent. It's not like no, making, John, they, giving them roid rage. They're just no, kind of they like, oh, I'm chill, baby. It's good. So why would that cause people to get violent all over the city? Because when people are in withdrawals for drugs, they will do whatever it takes to get more. Okay. They don't get violent as, as a as a uh, effect of the drug uh, or reaction. Rather, they get violent when they want more of it. So, OK, so it's the withdrawal that makes people mm-hmm. violent. Yeah, this the need for more and like, you know, the whole I'll do anything. And OK, another the need I- gets heavy. Uh, OK, another idea I had is what if Kane and or OCP got the whole police force addicted to nuke to, like, take them out of commission. Wait, 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 wait. What, are, oh, what would make this better? <laughs> what category? All right, no, I like is, it. This I like is it. what I like would it. make this better. Okay. I like it. I like it. Um, all right, so after Kane dies, Tom Noonan, the actor, is given nothing to do. We don't even know if that's him growling. It's just not dramatically interesting. And watching like a 20 minute fight with a character who can't talk or express himself in any way. Come He's on. Expressing himself let on him, the monitor. Let him talk. Robocop can talk. Yeah. Let Robocop um, 2 talk. It well, would have been way better. Sean, they didn't attach the tongue. It was just the eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> well, his like, his like computer screen self could have done something. 1990, that was pretty damn impressive. Uh, and I kind of like that it was just his his face and he was limited in voice that whole like yeah but it, i don't know it'd be like you know watching a half an hour of him fighting ed 209 like it's not interesting because there's no like human ties to the to the to the battle yeah there are he's shooting up reporters and the cops are getting shot there's a lady getting shot go ahead go ahead go ahead that's just me there's a moment where they have robo pinned down with a magnet and they're like showing him like the nuke packet for the first time and I thought they were going to nuke him and get him addicted to it, but they didn't do that. Maybe maybe it could have been interesting to like have some like trippy sequence where Robo's like little little scan line vision is like tripping out and seeing things that aren't there. 100% agree. You mentioned this earlier. Why is Hobb even here? Who is he related to? What's his stake in all this? What is he getting out of it? We don't <laughs> see him like making tons of money and then going out and like buying video games or something. I don't know <laughs> what he would want. We know that he doesn't do nuke himself. So what mm. the fuck does he get out of this? Why is he here? It's interesting that they are like, so when they were cutting open Duffy and uh, what's his name? Uh, Kane made him look. Yeah. There's some sort that was sort of like a disgusting beauty about that in how he was preparing him to be this because you know there's there's children in in countries that are badly underdeveloped or have a, a lot of crime who are, you know, suicide bombing themselves or uh, robbing tourists on the street, you know, in modern times. 
And to kind of see like how that character gets developed or how that that boy, that young mind gets developed is it's horrible. But yeah. it's kind of interesting to see it from, you know, this this visual you know standpoint of a th- movie. Yeah. And I think that I, th- I like the way that Kane did that with uh, with Hob. But I come completely back to what you open with, because, look, it's not that it's not that it's not feasible or that I wouldn't buy it. Just and you don't have to you don't have to you know self or put it on the nose, but give me give me something. I think give me the, one yeah, little thing. I think the difference is in in the real world, like the child soldier is like the bottom of the chain of command. Like that that kid is just like a pawn in within this war, whereas like Hob is like second in command. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this kid in charge after Kane dies, right? Like, Hob isn't just like part of, you know, some child army or something. He's, okay, look, he's look, in look, charge look, of shit. Look, 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 look. He's look, the one uh, offering $50 million to the mayor of Detroit. Listen, I think that you have a great point. I don't want to, I reluctantly, I reluctantly will agree. Because <laughs> when when he's like when he goes fuck Kane and Angie's sitting there in the driver's seat because she's the adult in the truck and uh, he's like I know you want some more nuke and he pulls it <laughs> out of his pocket and he's got no gun in his head I was like Angie just grab the nuke you know <laughs> you yeah, can just take you could take over and just take over this kid but. At the same time, you will have to just acknowledge that there must be some sort of psychology going on there. And it's just like, you know, in the real world with with bad relationships or abusive relationships, it's incredible how the mind can be a slave to someone else's abuse. So maybe maybe there's some of that going on there. Like I said, relationships matter. So why not make him like the old man, the the head of OCP's grandson or something? And he's like planted them inside of the organization. Something, something to make it make sense. I support you. I agree. Okay, I've got a couple more things. Like I said earlier, I don't buy Hobbs' death scene. You don't buy it? No, his character just changes all of a sudden out of nowhere. Well, that's the child in him. That, that's that's natural, I think. Yeah, but we needed to see more glimmers of that earlier. There was. there was. He didn't want to look at the guy getting cut open. But that's it. And other than that, he's such an asshole to such a high degree that it doesn't make sense. Like, no one's forcing him to do anything other than to look at the guy getting cut open. Everything else he chooses to do himself. Well, yeah, because the kids at that time were... I mean, you saw the kids in the... Uh in the arcade robo walks in there he goes isn't that a school night or something like that and they all yeah. throw popcorn at him they're all rebellious in that uh in that world yeah but, but not, re- not rebellious to the level where you're managing hundreds of millions of dollars in funds i don't know that's not a rebellious thing i did as a child you remember that story about that that kid in florida who was pretending to be a doctor Dr. Love, I think was his name, even took himself like a little doctor picture. He's been arrested multiple times. The guy how, was under how 18. How old was he? How old he was, was he? Under, he was under 18 on the first one. Okay, but, but like uh, 12 versus like 16 or 17 is very different in terms of development. There's some pretty bad fuckers out there, some bad seeds. You remember the good son? Yeah. Yeah. But go on. I, I support. I, I do Okay, agree, so though. here's my thought. Just to make, here's what I'm saying is like, 
keep that scene where he dies, but then let's think about how do we make it so that it does like fully pay off uh-huh. and so that it does feel consistent to the character. So, so here's my thought at the start of the movie, make it so that Hob is a fan of RoboCop, make it so that he like admires RoboCop for his violence, for his badassery, like things that we see reflected in Hob himself. And then when Hob finally meets RoboCop, He's disappointed. He sees him as just like, he's a goody two-shoes. He doesn't even have the balls to to shoot me, you know? Like, he can't even shoot me. And so then, as the movie goes along, he kind of sees what Robo is doing and what he's trying to do to, like, save the community. And so now on his deathbed, he can say, I was wrong about you. Don't, Don't leave me. Stay with me. Because this was his hero from the beginning. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that I'm, crea- I'm, that creates an arc. You know, it creates mm-hmm. an arc where we didn't really have that before. I'm good with it. All right. How many? Let's see. How many more things? Uh, you're, you're on Hob. Okay, I'm done with Hob. Two more things. Yeah, just like the ending where we have a scene of like. Johnson and the old man throwing facts under the bus where they're like, oh, we got to blame this on somebody. And then the old man leaves and Lewis even says that son of a bitch is getting away with it. And then patience, Lewis, we're only human. That's like, that's the end of the movie. They just get away with it. The bad guys win. Mm -hmm. That's the movie. Good. It's a fucked up world. But they don't. I don't know. It just doesn't work. To agree with Peter Weller, the third act, it didn't really do what it needed to do. I, I agree. And I, I think that um, I do agree. But I think that you we, we have to sort of infer the most we can from what we have. And I don't think that. So it's funny when you say like it, it would have paid off better if he had, you know, kind of admitted that he liked him or he was wrong about him or whatnot. I still do feel as though it does pay off because this you got a lot of kids and gangs out there and the way that they get into these gangs are at that age and even younger. And I'm not even talking about the child soldiers in other countries. I'm talking about just like in America. Yeah. Do you remember? Well, well I'm not going to bring that one up. I was going to drop Meteor Man, but okay, it's too long of a lot, uh, too long of a thing. Yes. But, uh, still, these aren't the people. The kids aren't the ones running the organization. Uh, right. Well, but this was a this was just, you know, this was tighter knit. This was just uh, Kane and Angie and him and Kane could, you know, if he was maybe he was. Um, no, there were a bunch of people. We, you know, in the first scene, there's tons of people manufacturing the drugs. Like, yeah, those are just the those are just the workers. But Kane's. Yeah, at, so at the how end come day, Kane isn't wanted. just the or how come Hobb isn't just the worker? You know what I mean? He's not at the bottom of Kane, the organization. Kane didn't want him to be. You know, I I don't know. I don't know. But what I'm saying is that I think that uh, uh, Cobb was possibly uh, just an orphan uh, who got into the system and then he was let out on the street and he just kind of had to make his own. Just like Mm. you kind of gravitate towards anyone who will sort of take you. And there's a lot of these uh, tropes where the bad guy sort of like adopts this kid and has has him or her as a as like a, a buddy along yeah, the way and teaches blood, them like yeah it teaches them these bad god yeah it's it's a trope but in those movies they actually like give the kid an origin story and and they tell you like 
what's happening or they tell they show you that the kid doesn't have a choice and that the kid is being abused here hob is loving it for the most part i don't know why he was like afraid to see a guy cut open because he's fine with like shooting people to bits himself so it's it's just not a lot of thought put into this character well i i think uh, a bullet is different than you know scalpel while the person's fucking alive yeah his good buddy uh, duffy it's pretty uh exactly i thought you said you're just gonna scare him doesn't he look scared (laughs) great line uh yeah i mean look i'll close the book on uh on on hob unless you want to you got more pages to go but i i i have those opinions i i think that we can infer what we can from from what we have and it's not that I don't I don't need a, a, a full explanation. I, I would like more. I will tell you that. Yeah. But uh, it, it's just unfortunately it's part of the unorganized or organized chaos of the movies. Maybe they did the movie. Maybe they did have uh, more that we were going to get. But if I was to guess what it was, I'd say he was uh, an orphan who just was picked up by uh, by this by this cult, this um, uh, cane. And Kane just kind of saw him as like this surrogate son that he never had, likely, because he was, you know, he was treating him well. He was like taking care of him. He was just kind of up there sitting with the rest of the the higher crew. And he was like, yeah, kid, you know, let me go. You know, because Kane is Kane's nuts, period. Yeah. And he's going to, of course, like treat a kid just like a grown man and let him do violent, horrible things. So it does sort of track for me. Uh, but yeah, but I only do in your understand. mind. It doesn't track like in the movie based on the information they've given us. It doesn't track like you've imagined a backstory that isn't there. Well, maybe you should use your imagination. No. (laughs) 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 All right. Uh, uh, What's the rest of your list for what would make this better? Okay, because one last thing on Hob, because you've got me thinking about it. Like Mm -hmm. they could have used the creative people involved on this movie could have used him to show like, this is how bad society has gotten that children are carrying out these things, but they don't really point to that in a meaningful way. They don't really like bring that up as a thing. They're just kind of like, here's Hob, Hob doing Hob stuff. What do you mean that they don't say that again? No one ever says like i can't believe no one in the movie ever says like i can't believe this child is doing this i feel bad for this kid we need to help him out no one ever does anything like that or or like even says like this is how bad our city has gotten that children are carrying out these violent terrible acts you know there's there's no commentary on it which satire (laughs) needs some kind of commentary uh, instead it's like someone was like wouldn't it be cool if it's like a 12 year old with a gun and he says fuck a lot yeah let's put that in the movie that's badass and that's what happened jeez woof I think they did I just don't think you were picking it, picking up on it yeah mm. I, I think you just don't really like the movie no I tried to like the movie I watched it two times which I usually never do with these when did you watch all right never mind um yeah look uh objectively I I 
slightly disagree. I think that it was there, but uh, but I do understand what you're what you're saying and where you're coming from. I mean that I really do. Yeah, I'm just saying if you're gonna put something in a movie, know why you're doing it. Like, have mm. a reason for doing everything you do. Hey, I've been watching this movie for 22 years. You've been watching it for four days. <laughs> Maybe you need to put in about 12 more watches. All right. We'll uh, revisit I, this I am, in 22 years. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm set glad your that calendars. I'm glad that it sits with you, 2044, though, we'll be doing it again. Can we not agree that it says something that it's sitting with you, that you you know, you know, you made yourself watch it twice, and, you're, and you have this it's much of an issue with it? It's sitting with me because it aggravates me because it's done poorly. That's why. Good. Because Good. I love RoboCop, but I don't love RoboCop 2. That's why it's sitting with me. Yeah, I don't love RoboCop 2 either. He's a uh, bad, bad robot. Okay. I got I got one more. I got one more thing. This is my last. What would make this better? Please. I see you, production team, making the OCP flag look like a Nazi flag. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, I recognize that. Like, I get it. All right. OCP, they're corporate fascists. But also the Nazi flag, like this imagery has weight. So if you're going to use it, lean harder. Go all the fucking way. Like, make Hob part of the OCP youth. Have the OCP rounding up their enemies and, and rounding up people they disagree with. People who aren't up to up to par with what OCP considers the model citizen. Because you can't just throw around Nazi imagery for shits and giggles. Like it has, it comes with collective trauma. It comes with real shit. So I'm just saying, do something with it. Say something. You don't, you don't think any of that messaging was broadcasted within the the dialogue of like of the mayor complaining uh, or not complaining, but. Uh, objecting to what OCP was doing and how ridiculous it was that they were coming after them just because they missed the one payment and how ridiculous it was for them that this, well, it's called Delta City. I don't know if they said that at the end of this one, but in part three, they, it becomes Delta City. Yeah, that's that another model. thing. Is, yeah, in RoboCop 1, they talk about Delta City, but then they dropped right. the ball here and forgot to mention the name. Well, you know, you're following the movie, but in there, he's asking, he's like, well, what about neighborhoods? You know, and it's, oh, well, everyone's going to have a chance to buy the stock. See, I, I agree with you um, on because I saw that, too, and I, I like that. And I agree with you on the lean in harder. I do. Um, like if you're going to say something is like Nazis, you better make it like Nazis. Well, but they also didn't say it was like Nazis. They just used inspiration from the colors in the flag. I mean, it's not like they were wearing the OCP. Actually, it's a you're red be flag with a white circle in the middle with the black logo of the company. There's no way they didn't intend for that to look like the Nazi flag. I'm not saying that they didn't, but I think you wanted a fucking double sandwich and you got a single and the single is enough. You I can got eat the, the second one. From this movie. I didn't even get the sandwich. I got the fucking crust. Well, you're going to be happy because in part three, they add one of these and you can see me because we're on video. They add a uh, that imagery. They add a patch and you're going to like you're going to like the dude, like the main dude who basically is. Oh, they have an armband like, like the Nazis. Yeah. And the, well, you're going to like the the just watch part three. Um, it's it goes in that so way. What I keep saying uh, movies need to stand alone on their own. You shouldn't have to watch part three 
for something to make sense in part well, two. Well, you also shouldn't have waited 20 fucking years to watch part two. Uh, the people <laughs> who told me not to, they were right. Okay. Uh, I'm so happy that you have so much to say about it, though. But, uh, yeah. What, I, are because you... I want it to be good. That's the frustrating thing. I want it to be good. I love RoboCop. I want this to be good, but it's not good. Do you have more? What would make this better? Not written down, but go ahead. I'm waiting for you to finish. I'm done. All right. I don't think you are, but well, what would make this better for you? I'm just going to make it very short and sweet here. Uh, more Lewis and Lewis, his partner. Uh, yes. More Sergeant at the at the police yeah. uh, headquarters. More wife, uh, Ellen, Ellen Murphy. Yep. And uh, more about Robo's mission as far as like if he's autonomous in his duties, but there's a residue of humanity left in him. I want to lean in more to that word because at the end of part one, uh, somebody, I think they ask him like, what's your name officer? That's right. The, the guy, the old man asks him, what's your name officer? And he goes, Murphy. <laughs> so it's, it's like, okay, we were going somewhere, but I do like how we go into a, a, a hopeful ending and we start with the tragic beginning just because of like corporate greed. I like the badness of this movie in in where the story goes, but it loses it, it's the, the legs that it grows are aren't strong. It grows too many legs and they're just not rooted um, that strongly. And and I wanted to see where all those legs were like it, it had opportunities for as long as it was. It had opportunity. Um, and it's just, you know, it's a, it's tough. Yeah. It's disappointing. Yeah. So what would make this better? Just those things, uh, a good chunk of what Sean said, but pieces of it for me. And uh, I'm going to leave it there because <laughs> it was, yeah, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, I, I agree for the most part with what you're saying for the most part, just a little differently. Yeah. I mean, they're just like, some of them are just little things in the writing. Like you wouldn't even have to like, you know, change the budget around. It's just like... Mm-hmm set things up yeah i agree i agree do better who used to be a theater actor Hop. let's uh let's just do some what <laughs> oh god man you should have watched this when you were you really don't like hob huh i didn't realize how much you didn't like hob no it's I, okay. I love hob it's just he's poorly written like he's fun to His, watch because performance because is great yeah man. it's fun to watch but it doesn't make sense um yeah that's the that's the problem is when you start to think about things it all falls apart rapid fire who used to be a theater actor peter weller yeah we're just gonna pick a few peter weller you say yeah yeah i say yeah nancy allen i say yeah yeah you say yeah belinda bauer dr juliet fax Mm -hmm. i say yeah sure sure uh, the old man, I say, yeah, has to be, has to be, uh, Felton Perry, AKA Donald Johnson. Let's see here. Who is this guy? That's he Johnson. Was, Go Robo. Oh, Johnson, Johnson. Yeah. Uh, I'd say, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too. I think there's a okay. lot of Peter here. Yeah, there, yeah, there has to be for as well as they portrayed with the material they had. Okay. Tom Noonan. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Willard E. Pugh, the mayor. I don't know. That's another character that I liked a lot, but I I feel like they didn't do enough with. I'd say yeah. Jeez, I think all of them except Hob. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. 
So all the way up to Angie. Actually, let's go all the way up to uh, Sergeant Reed. Yeah, basically, yeah. So it's only the only ones left were Angie, uh, Officer Duffy, and, and then Sergeant Reed. I think Sergeant Reed, I think Angie. Don't know about Officer Duffy. I'd say he's probably the only not used to be a theater actor. Okay. Yeah, I could feel that. You agree with all those? Yeah. So basically everyone except Duffy. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Okay. So I'm checking them. Okay. Feel free to do any kind of prep or thoughts that you might want to do. So Duffy, uh, let's see here. Nothing. Oh, he's died in 2014. A heart attack. Nothing to indicate in the wiki that he he was on Star Trek, but nothing to indicate oh. that he was a theater actor. Doesn't seem as though he was, and it would probably have said right here. I don't know. There's um, something about how he's. I think his first line we hear is him being like, hello, ladies. Or hey there, that. ladies, or something like that. It just felt very theatery to me. Oh. Well, I can't fight. You want to look him up and I'll just double check everyone else. Yeah, he was in War Games and La Bamba as the Big Bopper. He was the Big Bopper, wasn't he? Okay, so Peter Weller checks. Duh. I mean, how could he not? Okay, Nancy Allen's got to. Okay, yeah, she did theater. Okay, uh, Belinda Bauer. Dr. Fax. It's <laughs> a good name, though. Yeah. Nothing to indicate she was, actually. So, looks like we lost her. Yep, definitely the old man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he oh, was absolutely. born in 1919. There's, My there's God. no way you started your acting training yeah. just for film there was no tv felton perry oh yeah he's a playwright so and he, yeah i think if you're a playwright then you've done theater oh right? hell uh, yeah just if you're a playwright you are theater mm-hmm tom noonan tom noonan is great in synecdoche synecdoche new york synecdoche yeah synecdoche yeah he yeah he did theater by the way okay oh, and then yeah. willard Pugh. he's the he taught broadcasting and film classes. Uh, graduated from the University of South Dakota with a BFA in theater and drama. Boom. Boom. Done. Gabriel Damon. Oh, that's the that's the hob. Let's see. You never know. Maybe he did. Uh, career began with appearances in commercials. So no time for theater. Yeah. He had to go to the big leagues. <laughs> he was in Newsies, though. Does that count? He was in Newsies, the movie. He was on Star Trek The Next Generation. A lot of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. folks in this cast yeah he was in uh the land before time as littlefoot wait do we give him an honorable mention for being in newsies the movie the 92 we can i think i think he gets an i mean it's directed by kenny ortega i mean that's he was he, like, he was on punky brewster this kid did everything i'm giving him an honorable mention just for newsies okay oh and then galen gorg passed away too actually two years ago um cancer but nothing rolling dupree academy alvin ailey alvin ailey is so associated with theater if you ask me but i oh she was also in uh improv uh yep and the pacific resident oh, theater oh yeah boom theater and then finally we have our sarge here robert doque doque film television best known Oh shit, he was a voice on the Harlem Globetrotters cartoon. Uh-huh. I used to watch that. 
According to the according to the Broadway World theater credits, he was in three plays. All right. Hmm. I guess honorable mentions. Yeah, because we, we don't know so, if that was before or after he was established as a film. Exactly. Actor. And according to this, it was quite after. So it was probably uh, just kind of like a guest star sort of thing. Well, we were only wrong about one, right? It was so. Belinda Bauer, I think. Yeah, who was a, a yeah. dancer. A dancer. <laughs> Ah, uh, nostalgia factor. Nostalgia factor. Let's talk. So, listen. Paint me a picture start, of your I'm youth. Gonna paint. Listen, it's 1990. Yeah, this movie comes out. I'm five years old. Um, Everybody's my, talking about it, right? <sighs> Yeah, it was different back then. There was, you know, things were a world event. Everyone was talking about it in the sense of, well, little boys, you know, who were who were lucky that they're that they were able to sneak into it, that their parents somehow let them see it or their cousin took in the movie or whatever it may be. We just had to get lucky. I can't remember how we got to see it, but going off of the violence and gore of part one, I didn't think that could be topped. And I mean, yeah, objectively, maybe I shouldn't have been exposed to this so young, but it was intense. It was intense because it was 1990. The world was different. Special effects were different. And even though back then I could still tell it was a little like maybe fake as far as, you know, the the fake robo. When you take away the desensitization that I have gained over the last 20 years, Mm -hmm. it's it's still pretty impactful and jarring to see just blood of any kind. And the nostalgia factor that hits me the most was there's movies that we saw back then. And I I talk about this with Marcus often and it's like, okay. And here's one where you relate. You remember when um, you remember Joe Pesci's walking in to, um, to being made the door opens, he yep. looks around, he goes, oh, no. Remember that? Yeah. And then you get the, like, the coming out. And that's just like, whoa. And do you remember Casino? You saw Casino, right? Yeah. You remember Casino when they're beating his brother up and they're, sh- and they're showing Joe, look at his brother getting beat up. Mm-hmm. And he's just telling him, he's like, he's, he's had enough. He's had enough. Yeah. Come on, man. You know, it's awful. It's that kind of violence is both... That kind of violence is, I was going to say, disgustingly educational, if that makes any sense. I do remember this. Um, the things that stuck out the most were the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, also because of Maximum Overdrive. There, when you see Maximum Overdrive, there's a scene in there that just reminds you of the Little League team. Yeah. And at the time, you know, the most violence I ever saw was, um, you know, Godfather with the horse head and uh, Terminator 1. And uh, Predator one. I can't and, believe you watched all these movies by the time you were five. Uh, so our father wasn't. Uh, I don't think I would I'd <laughs> let my kids do that. I don't know if it's a good idea. Oh, I would. I because it made me. Um, and I mean, hey, look at Marcus. You know, <laughs> like, uh, and if and if if I'm wrong by about a year or two, I'm only wrong by about a year or two because eventually it was seen before the age of 12, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I know for a fact, I'm not too wrong about this one because I, I know we didn't see this in the theater, but I know we did see this 
we saw this, you know. Mm -hmm. And if we did see in the theater, it's time to call my brother and double check. So, uh, yeah, I just remember how, like, now, I guess to... Bringing the kids to a rated R movie? Yeah, to the defense of my father, who was going to be, you know, like, the deciding factor if I got to see something or not. I know that he wasn't a... Like, oh, I'm going to mess my kid up. It was just more, it was more of a, I think he'll be all right. <laughs> it was just very casual. He'll live. And exactly, he'll live. And the nostalgia factor for me was the violence. Mm-hmm. But that's maybe something that I, that I hold on to dearly because I haven't seen good violence in a while. And good violence in film and television will still make you, you know, cringe and and kind of squeal a little bit because when you see real violence in real life either it's you know by like a freak accident that someone got into or whether it be something you did not want to see on the internet but you saw by accident it can really just it can affect you psychologically but when a film when a movie that you know is fake is doing that it's it's uh it speaks volumes for like the efforts that they put in as creatives go ahead i think i think a good filmmaker when they put violence on the screen and you do have that visceral reaction, like they're doing that purposefully. If they're a good filmmaker like Scorsese, I don't think he's a violent person like he's he's anti violent, but he's putting it on on the screen to like, you know, deter people or to make them think about the violence. I feel like we we have that in RoboCop one, but in RoboCop two, I'm really not sure if they're just putting the violence on the screen to be, quote unquote, cool you know, or mm. to make the movie like feel cool. No. Or if the, I, it doesn't feel like it's thoughtful in the same way as with the first RoboCop or with like Goodfellas. It just kind of feels like they're just doing it to do it. Uh, I mean, I'll give you a piece of that, but ultimately I disagree because it, it matches the tone of like the, the satire and what they're making fun of and what they're sort of highlighting. Like, remember with the Sunblock 5000 and I think the lot she said something like now that the ozone layer is gone, remember yeah. that? <laughs> just kind of like what we're doing to ourselves as humans and how we how we live to basically destroy ourselves. There's a great quote from um, uh, have you seen Alien Nation? I think it's called Alienation. No. Um, Is that in the Alien series and I've never heard of it before? No, it's it's a great movie with uh, James Caan and um, uh, who's my guy? The guy from uh, that that show Homeland? Mandy Patinkin. Yeah, so Mandy Patinkin in Alienation says... There is so much our two peoples do not understand about each other. You invite us to live among you in an atmosphere of equality that we've never known before. You give us ownership of our own lives for the first time, and you ask no more of us than you do of yourselves. I hope you understand how special your world is, which is why it's all, it is all the more painful and confusing to us that so few of you seem capable of living up to the ideas, excuse me, the ideals you set for yourselves. It's mm. it's kind of the truth. I mean, especially like with government and, and corporations and like, you know, civilization. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's there's just a lot going on there, but uh, not not to lose track here. So, yeah, the violence going back to the violence. Um, I like this kind of violence in my movies if you're going to have violence in it. But then but I'm going to break it down a bit more technical sort of. So something's been happening in the last, I'd say, you know, five, ten years of films with blood. It's there's like what you are squibs expensive or something like there is. 
there is higher quality graphic blood that comes out uh-huh. or there's really bad CGI blood that comes out and you can tell and it makes a difference and it's awful. Yeah. And it it messes up the movie. It really, really does. Not to mention you can get away with it sometimes when like you take a Nolan Batman who's, you know, much more vicious and, and violent and darker. I mean, hell, even the Batman, the newest Batman with Pattinson, you still are lacking blood. Yeah, you there's know? not a lot of blood. And, uh, and it's not that I'm blood hungry, but it's I if you're going to maybe you're blood hungry. The, if you're going to beat the shit out of people the way that you're beating the shit out of them and you're not showing any sort of, you know, outcome from that. I mean, anybody who's ever gotten a bloody nose, it's it's pretty it's pretty jarring. Like it, it, it don't mess with you. So uh, it's just it's sort of unrealistic. And it's nice to have that kind of level of realism. Now, as far as the violence with like the excess of guns, I mean, let's go back to part one. I mean, hell, let's go to, to the beginning of this movie that is actually well fused to the spirit of part one. Remember when they were they're breaking into that gun store and the guy he's he's going in there. He's I wonder if it's the same dude. Remember in part one where the he wanted like a recount and he was he was holding the mayor hostage and he goes, I want a car with shitty gas mileage. You know, a, a convertible. He goes, what color? He goes, don't fuck with me. <laughs> and he and he says because uh, he's just so like like fucked up and then this one the guy's like he's looking he like destroys the counter he goes where are the bullets for this gun man <laughs> he's like he doesn't even know and he goes third drawer bottom right yep. and he goes thanks and he just blows into desert eagle um so again the, the the violence in this movie is like it's it's not the same we don't have this anymore it would be so nice to see it again you know done right because you could you could make this a mess and just do it bad but you could also have a lot of it and do it right. Yeah. Um, and, and they 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 did well there with um, with uh, the nostalgia. So and, and the nostalgia hit me really hard because that scene stuck with me forever. Seeing a uh, hob as a kid like, well, who's this kid? Like, I, I'm a kid. Yeah. What if you I know, become how, him? Yeah. How does this even happen? And then like what he was being exposed to, if they were doing it for shock value, if that's all they were, then it worked. And you know who it worked on? It worked on the kids because it affected a generation of kids who are always going to remember that movie. And in a way, kind of hold it dear to dear to themselves for being like, it's Robo. But holy shit, this is what Robo's actually like. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's it's wild. And then the baseball kids <laughs> and then all all the shit that's and then even Robo getting disassembled. Yeah. That stood out for me, too. Like when they were hitting him at the joint and making him suffer. I mean, he was just a machine, so there was no no organs, but there was like his oil was his blood and they're like throwing that in his face and they're just throwing it out to the police like that. And I, I like the contrast of how the police kind of, cause if you remember there was one cop going in there and the one on the picket line, if you know anything about how unions operate when they strike, they remember who takes sides. Then they will keep some sort of a blacklist and they're like, we know who's going in and who's not out here with us. Yeah. How come Lewis doesn't want a pension? Uh, Cause I guess she's just a, through and through cop through and through but um but you see how there's sort of a reluctance to even really care about what robo is doing like they can't really pick a side of like well what is robo oh he's just one of the guys that's here but like i don't know you know yeah. and then um he uh oh which reminds me another great quote i can't believe i didn't put it in there was uh 
when all the cop cars are coming around the corner after Robo gets electrocuted and they're like, oh, look, the cops are back. Oh, the hot dog <laughs> the stand. Hot dog yeah. He goes, he goes, yeah, they're going to kick someone's ass. <laughs> that was great. That was the best. Uh, which you got to remind me to tell you about the cops I saw yesterday on the truck. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, so, so TV uh, side combo and cop truck side combo for us. Sure. Um, okay. So again, nostalgia factor. Uh, yeah. The, the, the kid element of it all, the RoboCup of it all. I had spoken to our friend Marcus a few years back about these movies, one, two, and three, and had told him, was like, dude, I had no idea up until this moment. And this was whenever this conversation happened yeah. that Peter Weller is not in RoboCop 3. I, I didn't realize oh, it. I, I just, yeah, well, you know, deal with it. You had 20 years. I probably would have done the same if I were him. Yeah. So um, anyway, it was it was just surprising. And Nostalgia Factor was good. Again, it's it's a particular type of movie. It's a particular violent type of movie. They don't make the violence ones like this anymore. Um, I would like to see more like this done correctly. And I think that Kirshner was trying to pay homage respectfully kind of low key to um, to Verhoeven uh, with the amount of violence, because those are tough shoes to fill. And I think he did a good job. I think he was trying to I think he maybe was trying to recapture spirit a bit more than he could have created his own sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't mind that, but I'm not fully sold on it. It's a tough one, like one foot in the water, one foot out on this movie, because you don't we what other sequels do we have with the same fucking cast? I mean, we don't have many. It doesn't mean I have to love it, but I'm not gonna hate it. Mm. I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. I understand. I believe that's all for my nostalgia factor because the nice. the rest of it's just gonna be like, you know, going in different tangents. You can mean going you can, do you have a question about my nostalgia factor? Uh did you have Robocop action figures in the home? Oh yeah, good question. Very good question. We had we had a, we had two different types of RoboCop things, and we had an Ed 209, Whoa. but I think it broke, and we were really sad about it. But we did have um, we did have some RoboCop stuff. I mean, you're in my house right now. There's a RoboCop uh, issue downstairs that you can find somewhere. It's a RoboCop comic book. It's pretty cool. Oh, okay. Was it the Frank Miller series? It's an old. It's a classic. I think it's like it's an old classic one. Check it out when you go down there. Hmm. I think to to kind of go off what you were saying about the violence, I feel like it was more pointed and purposeful in the first one. You know, like the the scene where two guys are trying to take advantage of a woman in the alleyway. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, where do you shoot a rapist? You shoot a rapist in the dick. You know, like (laughs) that's like saying something with violence versus like, I feel like here it's just like, exists to exist and it's saying something about what society is in like the the condition that their society is in i i don't you you keep thinking that it's not there i think it's totally there you just don't like the way it's presented yeah exactly yeah yeah it's not it's not presented in a way that's like adding up to anything Mm. okay all right but my nostalgia never saw this before this past week but I have seen RoboCop many times in the past, maybe 10 years. I didn't see it as a kid, but probably Mm -hmm. maybe the first time I saw it was in Chicago in grad school. 
Did you now? Did you see the director's cut or the the one with the limited violence? I think originally I saw the theatrical, and then I saw the director's cut later on. I'm happy you saw it. I mean, even you know, it's 2014. I'm still happy you saw it. It's uh, I know you like it, so I do. I like it a lot. Here's more nostalgia. I didn't <laughs> until I saw it last night again. I didn't. I never knew that there was a score that the or that the soundtrack at the end has this. This did you hear that the the music over the credits was RoboCop. <laughs> it, was, it was just over and over. RoboCop. RoboCop. Yeah, at first Sing I thought they were singing like Lamb of God. It sounds like a church choir, but yeah, they are I don't RoboCop. know. I don't know what that was about. I it was like, oh, that's very uh-huh. dated. That did not age well. I mean, but, it's uh, a little better than that rap in the original screenplay. <laughs> Jesus. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I guess like I was going to say, this does give me nostalgia for like those 90s tropes. Having that that kid, having that John Connor, like the lead kid in Kazam is kind of like this too, where he's like a rebellious kid, misunderstood kid. You know, that's a very 90s trope early 90s trope that i feel like we haven't seen a lot ever since mm-hmm. and then yeah, of course we don't have good kids anymore yeah and then of course like <laughs> ending ending your movie in a rap that's very 90s this version of robocop 2 didn't actually do it but they planned on it they wanted to t2 was 91 right yep yeah so this was first this was first in a way they sort of like Kind of started that. That's nah, nah. I'm not gonna say that they owned. They didn't really that, start it because you had like you had the Goonies in the mid '80s, where like Corey Feldman's kid was uh, character was kind of an asshole. You know, he's like over there telling the the uh, Latina housekeeper he's like translating things wrong to her in Spanish and and being a dick. Like this, is like shades of this kind of character. Throughout the 80s, too, I think. You know what else they had that we don't have now? What? My friend. What? Choices. Choices. <laughs> I don't have good I don't have good kid actors. And the ones that I, I've seen here and there, like, they're just, I don't know. They're few far in between. And it seems like we had a good crop of these. You know, even the kid from Blank Check, you know, he was he was in a bunch of random shit. Yep. And some of the kids from Richie Rich, like that, your kid actors of back Macaulay when, or back then. Yeah, your Mighty Duck cast and your yeah, there's just better kid actors back kids then. Kids could think, act but, because they had seen shit, they had lived through things. Kids, kids boom. today, kids today, they're too safe. Mic drop. That's all you had to say. <laughs> I think we can no, move on after a, that this, one. That's not a good thing. Like you know. I think our no, so- I think that's a good. I think our society has Im- improved in some positive ways. Uh, I don't think children should have to suffer. So we can move on. Well, now. I, I like your words. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should leave them like that. That was a good word. That's a mic job for me. Go, go, Shambo. <laughs> go, Shambo. All right, all right. All right. Are have you? Did you say anything for nostalgia factor? Yeah, I already did. Ah, okay, yeah, I okay. Said a bunch of stuff. Can I let me, can I ask you a question to, to to cap off nostalgia factor? Even though I already gave you a mic drop, please do, Sean. At your best ability, what do you think? How do you think you would have felt had you seen this two years after? So, could, what are we three years apart or two? Uh, four years apart. Okay. Well, what if you had seen it? If I saw it in ninety, what if you had seen it in ninety four? If I had already seen RoboCop one, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would have been like five years old. Yeah, uh, 
I don't know. I probably would have liked it in some way. But, okay. but here's the thing. Kids are stupid. Not me. No <laughs> smart. <laughs> no, All but right, not white casting. Yeah. Kids can get tied up in the sensationalism of it. Well, good. That's what makes them kids. Non-white casting. Non-white casting? Yeah. I got really only one person, and I think I like my choice. But All right. Um, Go for it. But I, I will say, I will, I will, before I say this person's name, I will say um, it'd be really fucking cool if a high-budgeted TV series was greenlit where they could have, they could live in the world of a RoboCop woman and or as a duo with RoboCop or if RoboCop was a woman, uh, not just for the sake of making it a woman. Seriously, just let's see what that is like you know like it's interesting i, I wouldn't want to just throw it away or for the sake of giving him a partner or making lewis also be part of the program eventually and join him well and then that's i mean that's the beauty of like the idea of robocop is because you can lean into social commentary and there's probably a lot of women already who feel like they're treated like machines or treated like they're less than men so i think that's a great idea uh, yeah i'd still love to see it all right i'd like to you know i wish i could see it just back then i wish we could like do it but make it look like back then only time travel yeah fuck yeah okay my choice for non-white casting for robocop is <laughs> carl weathers nice nice Carl being a underused actor at the time, I think. I mean, he had his um, he had his I don't want to say run because he still has a run right now. And I'm so happy to see him back on a fucking screen. He he kind of came back um, in a major sort of way, major splash with uh, Chicago, Chicago Fire PD and Med had a backdoor pilot for Chicago Justice, which did not last long. And he was one of the lead cast members. And I enjoyed watching him there. And he's been on The Mandalorian and I believe he's going to be in a few films. But he's just this he's this uh, this actor of back then that didn't get a lot of um, support, yeah. uh, maybe not support by fans, but support by the creatives that could have put him in a place to be. Uh, a larger i mean he was in action jackson which was great and he was in a, a just you know, a string Predator. of other movies exactly rocky, and, of course. and um rocky, rocky of course series. yeah but he i wanted to see more of him and boy boy could you not imagine a, a i mean he, an actor to fill the to play robo yeah. A non-white actor, him, man, I think he's, yeah. I think he's the one um, for me. And I think he could have done it. I think he could have fucking done it. Nice. And the real question is, should he have done it with his mustache? Huh? Yes. I'd say yes, too. I say yes, too. I'm, I'm, I'm being I'm funny, like, just like badassery. Yeah, I'm like, I'm very drawn to the idea of like seeing uh masked characters like i want to see a batman movie where he's got like a full beard underneath the cow you know ben affleck yeah batfleck but uh it looks like you you and i played by different rules because i was thinking like okay this is a sequel 
So I'm not going to recast anyone who was already in the first movie. Oh, so I, well, so I didn't even think about who else would play RoboCop, but I do have some ideas. Well, now you should. I do have some now ideas for the new characters. Mm. Okay, interesting. Go. So, Giancarlo Esposito as Kane. I'm good with it. Either He's good. him He's great. or Lawrence Fishburne. Or Totoro. Yeah, Totoro could have been good. Yeah. And Fishburne, but Fishburne was pretty young back no, then. No, he was, he was 30. I think Kane could be played young. by a 30-year-old. Why not? Okay. His, his girlfriend is about that age, Angie. His successor's about that age. <laughs> yeah, damn right. Uh, Dr. Yeah. Fax, Rita Moreno. Eh, okay. Hob, Kwan. <laughs> Son of a Short bitch. Short round. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. The right age for the time. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Right age for the time. That's all I got. I like. Okay. Well, now you got to do Robo. I can't believe you didn't do Robo. You got to do Robo. Uh, Think. Think. I'm gonna get a water. I'm gonna get a water. Jackie Chan. That's. Think again. Uh. I really, I really don't have anybody. Okay. But maybe somebody will come if they do. Carl Weathers. I brought up in a recent episode to play a role. So I don't know. I feel like Carl Weathers is a good choice. Yeah, me too. Love him. Okay, moving on to producing and directing corners. I think you should take it away with your director's corner. All right, director's corner. I'm just going to be honest. I, I, I feel like this whole episode was kind of my director's corner, especially what would make this better. So I'm not going to mm-hmm. dive too much deeper. I'm just kind of going to sum up what I already said. Don't make a sequel unless you have something to say. Don't put something in your movie just because it seems cool or seems dark. If you want to tell your story in the best way possible, you've got to have a reason and a motivation behind your choices. It'll be much more fulfilling for both you and your audience. That's all. That's all I got to say. Short and sweet, nice and neat. Uh, producer's corner. Um, I'm gonna follow your theme and um, be light and sweet. Basically, look, these movies are a huge feat, and the more that I do my day job in here in the Hollywood business and learn about levels of producing that I frankly didn't know existed or had the types of responsibilities I hear on phone calls, I am continuously brought back down to zero in terms of it's going to, it's going to sound worse than it, than what I really mean. And, and Sean knows that it's because I always lack a better words to express myself, but it always brings me down to zero of like not my self worth, but my self self-worth ability insert the right words there so it's not like i'm not talking shit about myself it's not that i don't believe in myself it's just i'm brought back down onto like jeez there's a lot that goes into this you know in terms of like what you learn as far as how to be a producer but then when you see it when you when you hear it at the highest levels it it's it's um intense yeah it's overwhelming it requires a motherfucking team and from of all levels and it's a lot yeah it takes a village takes a country and this um this movie uh, uh, there was a, a wonderful like 
hour long plus maybe two hours uh making of bts of part one where they're you know they're interviewing everybody uh from um uh kurt uh kurtwood smith to to mike miguel ferrar like everyone in this movie they're just part one they're interviewing them all yeah. and it's a lot and i know that maybe the magic wasn't all there in part two the same approach was uh, and if you think about it, this was actually a financial success because it made 20 plus mil in video rentals. Mm. So this thing did pretty well. Yeah. Um, sadly, was pushed out by the studios. But all I'm going to say is mad respect to those who put it together. It, it's a feat. Um, you know, end product may not have been what we all wanted it to be, yeah. but it's it's still a marvelous presentation. And, uh, you know, hats off to those producers. And I, I don't know. I mean, because John Davison is, you know, he's got some strong credits. He, he's still working. Yeah. You know? um, it, it takes a lot. Uh, and especially with with the tools and the abilities of back then, it was harder. Uh, oh, yeah. And it processes took longer. So, yeah, that's all I can say. Um, Producer's Corner is like, wow, what a movie. And I'd like to see them do it like this again. I'd like to learn from those greats. So that's uh uh, oh, but I will say, actually, I will say this. Uh, I would have shot this in fucking Detroit. I would have put something <laughs> in the damn city that this takes place in. Because yeah, send a second time, unit over there. Get some helicopter yeah, like, shots, something. Yeah, pay it homage because every time I meet somebody from Michigan, I always tell, I always call them RoboCop. That's my like little nickname for michiganders as yeah. you know but then i remember like oh but even they probably know that the damn thing wasn't shot in detroit yep. <laughs> you know and they're not all from detroit either so uh anyway i love robocop and i i want it i want a reboot to happen well because the 2014 one was tough but it was okay but it, it just it lacked more than it had yeah so anyway that's my corner sequels are hard yeah they are they are. That's, that's something we've talked about a lot mm-hmm. on this series, but I give them props for attempting. I like the journey, though. That, or go ahead. Well, I'll put this in final thoughts. Uh, questionable questions? Questionable questions. So I have these written down. Uh, these are kind of, they're not like surprises because they're all, and I need a reference on one of them. So let me pull up my. Okay. Yeah, you need some, you need a footnote. Uh, let me see here. Is a plural a footnote, feet note? Feet notes. It's a toe note. Oh, okay. Toe tag. <laughs> All right, here we go. So this has to do with the uh, cuts of the film, yeah, yeah. which is always interesting. I, I wrote down, there's some interesting cuts, both in full cut releases and then of what they cut out. And I was going to ask you in... So, okay, the UK VHS video release features a number of cuts for violence. The carjacking technique is missing. I don't even remember what that was. Uh, A hooker pokes the thief in the face at the beginning with her shoe. They took that out. They took Duffy's face being smashed in glass, like when he smashes it into the arcade. They took that out. The carjacking, they're talking about the Magnavolt. Oh, okay. So, (laughs) Where the guy's jimming the lock to get into the car. Oh my goodness, so just the technique. Okay, yeah. so the technique, the hooker poking the, the thing, Duffy's face being smashed into the video game, and then Duffy's death is shorter, including a line of dialogue spoken by Angie being lost. 
Anne and Robo shooting bad guys and bloody exit wounds is missing and Angie's death is less graphic. RoboCop breaks Angie. RoboCop 2 breaks Angie's neck. This was cut. Do you think those cuts? Do you think those cuts really were? Do you think those cuts hurt the movie? It hurt the release? I don't know because I didn't see that version of it. Well, no, but you saw the full version. So imagine these being taken out of what you saw. Yeah. And they were taken out when? Like uh, in this was for countries? the UK, UK VHS release. Uh, yeah, they probably hurt the movie a little bit. Speaking of Angie, I we didn't address this, but why was why did RoboCop two kill her? It seemed like they were having a moment, and then he just quickly turned. It didn't feel motivated by anything. Well, uh, that's when that you got to do some you got to do some psychological digging there. I I wonder the same thing, but I also think I have assumptions. I think he realized that he's got nothing to give her as a human. I mean, she's touching cold metal. Then let her go. Don't kill her. For uh, a, a few years ago, I thought. I thought that he just didn't like the line where she said this could take some getting used to, uh, but he doesn't kill her right there. So I, I was like, okay, maybe that yeah. wasn't it. But uh, I mean, that's that's left up to audience interpretation. Okay, so fine. That those are your thoughts there. So what about this? Some theatrical releases show the chief surgeon handing handling Kane's cut and hollowed head to the female OCP executive right after the shot of the test tube with the villain's brains and eyes in it. Yeah. Do you remember that? Cause they showed it in the one I saw last night, which was the, the cut of his skull. Yeah, I remember it. Do you remember yeah. that? What do you, th- what do you think of it? That being cut out? We don't really need it because we see his like eyes and, and brain floating in a tank. We can assume that his eyes and brain have been cut out of the skull. So I don't know. I like it in there. I like it. I yeah, think I'm they cool should have kept it in, it in there, there, but I don't think it like ruins the movie to take it out. Okay. In the German theatrical and video release, these are the cuts. The two hookers beating up the guy, the heel hit in the eye is missing. The scene where a boy shoots Robocop in the head, that's where Hobb shoots him in the head. Bits of strangulation of Lewis and Hobb, like you're not seeing him strangle Lewis as much. The cutting open of Duffy's chest is removed. The scene of the of the league team holdup beating up the shop, shop owner by a little girl is cut. So just the little girl hitting him with yeah. the bat. And then Kane's girlfriend's kill with the neck breaking sound was removed as well as her on the floor. It's a lot they of cuts right also, there too. Because it's Germany, they probably also, they're not allowed to uh, portray swastikas in media. So there's like a brief glimpse of a Wall Street Journal newspaper dispenser that has a swastika spray painted on it. They probably cut that out too. You know, that wasn't in the list. So maybe they didn't. Yeah, maybe they missed Uh, it. Okay. Okay. So you, you guess you don't have too much thoughts on these, on the cuts in general. I'm not, I'm not bothered by them because the the movie still doesn't work either way. So, Okay, okay, fine. If it doesn't work, but like for what it is, pretend it's your movie. It looks like the majority of the cuts have to have to center around Duffy's execution. Interesting. Do you think would you be pissed if if they were taking that out of your movie? Yeah, I'd be pissed, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. Not much of an opinion there. So, <laughs> my other question is <laughs> where do you think Hob came from? Uh, where do I think Hob came from? If I'm imagining right now, I'm an, I'm imagining that like let's imagine that Detroit is one of the safer cities in this version of America, and so 
this kid mm. grew up in like an actual war zone somewhere in America in another city. And and he he took refuge here in Detroit because it's actually safe compared to those other places. And that's kind of where Kane came across him or found him and and maybe Kane, because Kane is an asshole, maybe Kane was gonna kill the kid, but the kid showed that he had no fear or something. And and Kane mm-hmm. saw something in him that was like, huh, this kid's like me. <laughs> I'll make him my own. I agree. See, like that's something you could have easily put in the movie. I kind of inferred it though. The fact that I inferred it doesn't tell you something. No. Hmm. All right. Like I said, your imagination was not written into the screenplay. Hmm. And you don't think putting all that is too much on the nose or a little on the nose? It just has to be like a small thing. Like uh, all you have to do is like add a line about where Kane's like saying like I rescued you from the fucking gutter, so you you better respect me. You know, saying something like that to Hob. That's all it takes. Mm -hmm. Just a simple line, you know, just to give him some backstory. Mm -hmm. Okay. I guess before we get into your uh, your um, question, uh, I did mean to add this to uh, to weird history. Did you know that they marketed this movie by featuring Robocop in WCW in a wrestling match? I did not know that. Uh, yeah, I, I did yeah, know here. that he's part of the latest Mortal Kombat game. Yeah, this is true. Uh, here's a check out this. You can fast forward the clip, but here you go. I didn't know that until I was look, doing the research for tonight. Look, look at the clip I texted you. Just fast forward around it. I mean, it's an 18 minute long video, but I, I, I oh, scrubbed through I it. Sent, okay, I sent you. I thought I sent you the quicker one. I sent you the story behind yeah. it. I didn't mean to send that, uh, but you saw him though, yeah, right? I, f- I found it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he made, yeah, he made a little appearance. Yeah. That was just odd. I had no idea that that occurred. I doubt it was Weller. I mean, he wasn't. I, I love I cross promotional stuff. Me too. You know? Me like, too. I love that uh, little uh, Caesar's pizza had like a bat shaped pizza for the Batman. Like it looked horrible, but I just loved the idea mm-hmm. of it. I'm a sucker for that. Oh, you know the gun, the lunchbox gun that uh, that he uses, Hob? that yep. Hob uses? That thing is real. It wasn't made for the film. Oh, wow. It's a real thing. Damn. Yeah. If you were RoboCop 2, the robot, what addictive substance would we have to insert inside of you to keep you going? Pizza. Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and we still have to like put it in a tube? We have to... S- just like squeeze a bunch of pizza into a tube. I don't know. And wave it in front of you yeah. and say, "Hey." No, nah, man, it's, it's my serious or my silly answer to your silly there's enough, question. There's enough pizza in here to addict yeah. a city block. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's all I got for that's that. Got. <laughs> I thought I thought you were gonna ask a different question. I didn't dive deep on these. Final question. Should I watch RoboCop 3? Yeah, 100%. Okay. I'll do it. I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah, you should you should watch it watch it tonight completed. It. It's it's not a bad watch. It really isn't. It just you'll you'll see you'll see when it jumps the shark. You will you can't miss it. But it's a uh, you know, it's he does he's got a jetpack. Yeah. That's really cool. I feel like it already jumped the shark with RoboCop 2. Nah. Nah. I will disagree. 
Well, my final thoughts um, are, um, yeah, do wish the movie could have been better uh, in in quite a few different ways, but it it's got a it's got a soft place in my heart. I don't mind it, and it does talk a lot about things that are going on in society right now that I think are applicable and maybe an early warning sign. Interesting that you know people or writers and creators at the time could sort of like put that out there. There was some article somewhere in the trivia there about how in 2013 or 14, uh, the movie was brought up in the news because of the real life city of Detroit going bankrupt mm-hmm. and how it was much like the film. And that was really interesting how I like it when, when our medium can sort of predict the future or call people out um, on, on things before they've happened. And, you know, we're over here saying like, we told you, look, you uh-huh. know? um, and if we're not, you know, if we're not too careful, I mean, we always talk about it jokingly, you, me and, and our friends, uh, Skynet, you know, Yep, these things can happen. Any final thoughts for you overall? I forgot this earlier, but I like that the, the user interface, the UI of RoboCop 2 was like the same font as when you like boot up your Apple II computer. Yes. Yes, it does. Have, it does have the. So does uh, Kane's uh, RoboCop. Oh wait, did you say two or one or a Robo? I'm talking about Kane's two. UI. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's basically it's yeah, it's, uh, it's got it's got the little Mac. menu bar up top and everything. <laughs> Mac OS. Oh, yeah. um, well, that's all for this episode. Join us next time with our guest, our first guest appearance uh, for Super Babies. Super Babies Baby Geniuses 2. Is that correct? Yep, that's right. We're Su- doing it. Super Babies Baby Geniuses <laughs> 2 featuring Justin Otska. Uh, looking forward to that one. Oh, yeah. Me too. Uh, see you on the next one. See you then.